What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 59th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Happy post-baby nut Super Bowl. God, <laughs> God damn it. I guess you're not BFCA anymore either, right? Isn't it like it's Critics, a critics cho- uh, Choice. Choice Association? That doesn't flow as well. No. So I'll just keep calling you BFCA buddy. Uh, yes, we are in the era of the baby nuts. <laughs> uh, um... <laughs> My tweet has, uh, you know, mutated into uh, my tweet being the Baby Yoda tweet that went viral. You know, no big deal. Um, we get it. Baby Yoda, Baby Groot. Your hot stuff. There is a new baby in town. Yeah. His name is Baby Nut. R.I.P. <laughs> Mr. Peanut. The Kool-Aid Man's tears have uh, spawned this Baby Nut. And people well, that's are, how nuts are born. And people are copying my tweet, dude. That's yeah. the first thing. I keep getting people sending me... Uh, Hey, yo, this sounds a lot like your tweet. And I'll be like, it 100% is my tweet, just reworded to be about baby nuts. You've created a monster. Uh, yeah, I mean, plant the planters company, whoever the fuck owns them, has created a monster. See, this is why, like, you need to, like, somehow, you know, patent the uh, the tweets I mean, or you, copyright. You I, really I know that, but, that it's in, but... but it's weird how, like, people are literally just now I get stealing it. it but, it's but it's not stealing. It's like, you know, that's what the internet is. It's right. really like you're taking something that's super popular. I mean, I, I, TikTok is this. It's everything is this. Twitter is you this. You build upon You build it, right? upon things, yeah. right? So I don't blame anyone. But it's interesting for... when you posted your tweet originally yeah. and you had a lot of people coming after you as if you had plagiarized them. Right. Right. Where right. you have not done that with right. other people. Where even these where, are definitely... Know, intentionally building upon yeah, my tweet but they're still they're still you know using the basis of what, what you my wrote joke was yeah. you know and but unlike the people that were coming after you and saying that you you know because you didn't but you stole their stuff yeah or their material yeah you're not doing that where no, you know I mean, people I'm are tagging playing, you i, d- I just in these retweeted posts, something right? yeah and i went imitate or imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and right. that, that was my only comment i've made a, c- a couple jokes about it um i don't really care but that's the way know? i think that's the way to handle um, it right like again you could have been like oh, everybody's you know stealing from me and i'm the guy who created this so everybody should be giving me credit well, or i'm blah, sort blah, of blah. doing that but, but like you're not in doing a, it in, in, in like a, a, i mean you showed me some of those responses that you you got from people and they right. were really like aggressive yeah. and threatening well, i'm and, mostly just being like hey that's funny that you guys are building upon my yeah uh my viral tweet and now it's like it's it'll be interesting to see uh if this keeps going with every you know i the 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 baby nut thing is annoying in itself just because it feels very insincere it just feels like well i feel when any when a um, company kind of does any of this stuff when it comes to trends or you know posting phrases or sayings as if disney knew what they were doing when they created baby yoda but that being said it was it this feels like a direct like oh baby group baby yoda like now we're just a big company that wants to try and capitalize on this by making a cute version of mr peanut after killing him off right well not just that though i'm talking about like even when like something goes viral online and you know like you see a major corporation or studio kind of also try to you know jump in on on the fun and it just doesn't feel as sincere if it's coming from i haven't even seen if if baby nut has responded yet right but but like you look at that um the the dolly parton you know the the four frames been off for a couple weeks 
league. So we, yeah, in in social media, media terms, it's been like a decade. Years, yeah. yeah, but but with that, like when you see like corporations doing it, it kind of takes the fun out of it. It's almost like your parents, you know, yeah, catching get, on to it. Kind I get of that. In a weird and I mean, way. I work in social media. Like when I'm not doing this with you or uh, film criticism, I I work in social media marketing. So it's interesting for me. Um, I mean, I I. I'm not cynical, but uh, someone said, like, no, Matt, you're not cynical. You're just realistic. So in a lot of these sense, I always come in very either medium or skeptical about things. And like you said, with a lot of these trends, I feel like it needs to make sense for your brand to jump into that conversation, right? Yeah. And if you're, like, the hundredth brand to just do the same fucking thing that Because everybody is else doing, is doing it. That's not interesting. No. You just look like – you look lame. Like, you just look like – Oh, I'm four days late. Like, if you're four days late, just don't do it. Yeah. Like, unless you're one of the first people to do it. And shout out to these guys who who reworded my tweet and, and did it. They obviously were smart enough to go, oh, I know exactly what to do. That tweet went super viral. So I can just do that same thing with this character. And it will probably people will remember that other one. Um, And it'll go viral. And yeah. it did. And, Until the next baby nut. And then I'll have to chime in and rehash my own joke. You have to reclaim it. Um, and I could have done that. I even thought about doing it. But then I made a joke of myself of just being like, insert offensive <clears throat> uh, killing of baby nut joke here. Like, right. That's what I tweeted, which obviously wouldn't get picked up. It's more just for the, my own, like my actual friends and, and things like that that follow me. But anyways, who, who gives a shit? <laughs> Fucking baby nuts. Um, <laughs> so bad. If you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, each and every week, Eric and I get together. Uh, there's a screaming child in the hallway uh, and talk about the entertainment industry and what the hell is going nut. on. Maybe it's baby nuts. Good Lord. I hope not. Um, we talk about news, trailers, uh, what we've been watching, all that jazz. We usually... Even know, what we've been eating. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say baby nut. No. <laughs> Planters peanuts. Oh, I was going to say you had, uh, you fried up a... A quesadilla. Ca- yeah. Yeah, I did. I um, had a leftover quesadilla from Fat Bastard Burritos, and I decided to fry that up before uh, we started recording, because I hadn't eaten since, I don't know, what the hell time did I eat lunch at? Uh, anyways, yeah. I'm not we, your mom. We I do this know. every week. If you like this, we do another podcast called uh, The Untitled Movie Reviews. Eric and I get together uh, as often as we can. It's been a little slow in uh, the latter part of 2019 into... Jellicle January, January has not yeah. been that forgiving. So we have reviews out right now for Bad Boys for Life and Doolittle. Uh, but now we're guys, in feline February. Yeah, which you guys can check out on that channel, as well as uh, upcoming soon on Untitled Movie Reviews, we'll have a review for, uh, I mean, right now you can probably listen to our rhythm section uh, review. Matt has a lot to uh, say on that one. Not really at all. And no one else has because no one saw that movie. Uh, and uh, our review for Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of the one Harley Quinn is up there as well. And don't so. forget The Lodge. Coming soon, the lodge. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll just be an ongoing joke this whole year. So, uh, other than even that, after its release, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric, how you doing? What's new? I'm okay. I mean, you other know, than baby nut, what's other new? than baby nut, do you watch the Super Bowl at all? Or no, no, not not one. Do you bit, just not... wait for the trailers to pop online. Yeah, and, or yeah. when when we get the emails from right. the PR people and it says like, oh, you can watch this now. Here's a link. 
to YouTube, right? Right, right, right. So no, I, I, I don't. I like I've never really even cared to watch like the halftime show, and I know like a lot of people yeah. really liked. It was good. Know, Jennifer Lopez. It was a lot of fun. You know, basically um, giving shade to the Oscars. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very high energy. Shakira and J Lo were fantastic. I think it was one of the better halftime shows in recent memory i do watch the super bowl every year i don't care about american football at all i grew up um a little bit of a miami dolphins fan for two reasons ace one ventura. ace ventura dan marino two, dan marino not because of ace ventura but he is but, in ace ventura yeah but my dad really loved dan marino when my he, dad does too uh, when he was growing up and um uh so my dad was a miami dolphins fan but the dolphins have been like low key terrible for a really long time, so I just like kind of. Well, it's because snowflakes, and gone. it's not like the Toronto Maple Leafs where I'll thick or thin. I will stick with them, and I will always watch them, even if right. Terrible. You're on that that ship. Uh, till the I'm end. kind of on the bandwagon when it comes to the Dolphins, right? Like if they were doing well and they were in the Super Bowl, I'd probably be all in. And I know that's sacrilegious to some sports fans. I don't know how many sports fans listen to this, but um, when it comes to yeah american football i just don't really care but the game was exciting and and the chiefs came back and and won in the fourth quarter and uh, i mostly watch because working in advertising i do like to see the super bowl commercials even though in canada it's a little bit janky we don't get the exact ones but now you get them online and on social media almost as soon as they premiere on tv usually like a couple weeks leading up you can watch all of them and uh but for me, it's the movie trailers because that was always a big deal. And those are the ones that I feel like don't really go up online early. And usually you get a surprise or two during the Super Bowl. But this year so. it didn't really feel like that. I mean, there was one thing which we are going to talk about uh, later in the show. Right. I think um, you maybe were more excited for it than I was. I mean, I was. Yeah. Just because like being – I mean, I'm the resident MCU fanboy. But, yeah. Um, so I, we're talking about the – I just to me, I didn't know we were getting that. So right. that was super exciting to me. What we got, very limited look at. Them, I mean, it's but... no Cloverfield Paradox. Right. That was <laughs> crazy, but that movie's not good. No. But I like the idea of what they did with that, where they released it during this you know, big event, and yeah. it was almost like weird counter-programming or leading up to the release of it. Yeah, it was cool. Um, but um, yeah, the MCU Disney Plus stuff was the biggest surprise for I guess me. we the could quickly just talk about that now, because um, as sure. we're talking about it... Uh, Disney also announced streaming dates for uh, the two uh, MCU uh, shows and year, a new yeah. season of The Mandalorian. Yeah, so in August, we're getting... Um, Falcon uh, and the Winter uh, Soldier. December, we're getting WandaVision. Yes, and in October, October, we're getting The Mandalorian Season, season two. 2. Yes, which is super exciting. I think they needed to come out and say that because... I mean, their subscribers are doing super, super well on Disney+. Plus. I'm assuming most people bought that year-long membership thing, and they're, it's still for $7 a month, American. You can get all the gargoyles um, you want. Well, I mean, there's still a ton of great shit on there, and it's definitely worth $7. But they, ha- they haven't announced when more original, original series are coming. And I know we're getting some films. We're getting the, the Tom McCarthy... Uh, uh, Timmy Failure. Timmy Failure this Friday. Uh, which I, I there's also the like, Willem Dafoe uh, Togo or Togo, whatever it's yeah. called um, sled I do, dog movie and I want to watch that I just with uh, me and you are notoriously awful when it comes to watching Streamings. streaming movies yeah. especially streaming shows were a little bit better if they interest us but 
Streaming movies, it's this weird thing where, like, you think you'd be right on top of that. And we used um, to joke about that, you know, when Netflix became a more substantial figure in the festival season. And we were like, oh, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll just, you know, leave those off of our um, I don't schedules. And we can, I don't yeah, and them. now we have to. We force ourselves to see them. Yeah, I mean, but I kind of like seeing them at the light box anyways. I agree. And we're lucky where... We do get all the Netflix releases or their major ones at the Lightbox for the most part, and now Paradise Theater is also showing them. There's uh, the one with Allison Bree that's coming out this Friday as well, right? Is there? Yeah, is the, it coming to Lightbox. Uh, yeah, or is or, it? well, not the Lightbox, oh, but right. it's it's streaming starting on yeah. Friday. Uh, Horse Horse Girl, Horse Girl, which yeah. actually looks kind of cool. Yeah. I, I watched that trailer. I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. Um, yeah, but with the Disney stuff, which we won't be able to see in a theater, I almost wish they gave us press screenings of that in theaters or something like that. I do, but, too. I do, too. And um, it's weird how they kind of, like, pick and choose um, what films they will screen for press in terms of their Netflix stuff. No, I'm, I'm not talking about Disney, Disney now, but, like, yeah, Netflix, the Netflix yeah. stuff. Like, when we got to October, it seemed like um, Touchwood's the company that handles... Uh, Netflix films in in Canada, and it seemed like after October there were press screenings for every Netflix release, whether they already played at TIFF yeah. or were you know movies like The Irishman. But then their award stuff they seem to press screen. Yeah, and then... but it's like what what is determined to be a, a an awards movie? Like, is it something that is only you know from September to December, or are there? you know any considerations in between that like th there's stuff that's coming up that i'm sure you know some people would want to cover or what have you and and you know there's a an online account that you can go through it's but not great yeah it's yeah. It, again i mean that's I'd that's a whole other story it. right I mean, i'd rather just go see it at lightbox right yeah so like i I'm thinking of ending things. I would. I, I'm going to wait and see at Lightbox. Hopefully, if yeah. It comes, well, that right? I mean, like, I'm sure that will be, be a, a fall TIFF movie. movie yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and but but you look at the D Rees movie, right? Right. Like I mean, but it didn't I mean, get great reviews, reviews at, at Sundance, Sundance, but at yeah. the same time, I would give it the benefit of the doubt at least seeing it on a big screen. Where I don't know if I'll watch it unless I go see right. it on a big screen, right? Because I think that even happened with Mudbound. Was like, like, did you I... ever see The King? No. Yeah, see, and that's go. a movie I would have. I should have gone to see at Lightbox, and yeah. if I because I didn't, but but it was a morning press screening as well, and right? it you was working. middling reviews. Once I let one, I talked to you or I talked to a few other people I trust, and me and you we align for the most part. Right. And when we don't align, you know when we're not going to align for the most part, right? You'll say like, Little yeah, women. this is a Matt movie or this isn't a Matt movie. Um, so the King, when you were just like, eh, and I talked to Nevis and she was like, eh, and I was like, eh, I yeah. just don't need to go do, I did a lot of moaning there. I'm sorry. Played um, at Venice. Yeah. Kind of disappeared. But, um, even then I think there's a few other things where I like want to watch them, but at Lady and the Tramp, I haven't watched yet. Togo, all the Disney plus stuff movies wise, I haven't watched. And then, um, the Netflix stuff. Are you going to rewatch Uncut Gems or? Yes. So yeah. that was the one where. I have seen it in a theater already. I've been itching to rewatch it. It's just you got to be in a, mo a specific mood. And I've Uncut Gems has been that one movie that I didn't like at TIFF or was okay. Like, but you, you have know, been kind of wanting to rewatch and wanting to rewatch. So, and I even watched the opening, and I was like, "How the fuck did I not like this movie?" Because I loved watching the opening. Because I, I a lot of times when these movies come on, I just like to see how they look and sound in Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos on my TV. Right. 
Well, you you were playing um, the uh, the score during game night. Yeah, which was anxiety ridden. Yeah. Oh yeah, we had that too. That was fun. Yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. We had, which was after our last day of recording. Right? Yeah. After you guys should check out our last episode was our twenty most anticipated films of twenty twenty. We also have a list on Letterboxd on my account if you guys want to go check that out. It's a link in the description of that episode, which was the fifty eighth draft. Correct. Yes. Um, and then we had a game night where we played Villainous with, like, way too many people. <laughs> yeah, it, it was eight in total. Yeah, which you're only supposed to play, like, up to six people, but we kind of, like, added more people, which made it very difficult yeah, to Yeah, because each turn took a very t- takes long a long time, time to it's get a, back to the that person. I've again, talked right? about Villainous a little bit on the podcast, but it's like a strategy game where you have your own... You play as a Disney villain, you have your own realm, you have a bunch of cards, that, and you're kind of playing... You're focused on your own thing. You're not. You're playing against everyone, but the only time you really mess. You're focused with other on people, your goal, right? And, yes. And you're so, building towards it, but then other people can interfere, so you don't yeah. reach it, and so that they can get to the, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, amounting so many coins yes. or you played as Prince John yes. from uh, the fo- not the Fox and the Hound, the Fox version of Robin Hood. Yes. Um, where you had to collect all the money, like a certain amount of money, before you could win. I played as as maleficent yes or yeah angelina jolie or i had to get curses on all these different locations but it gets uh, more it it, some of them are really more complicated or convoluted because like you have to do so much more to not just reach your goal but unlock unlock certain things yeah Yeah. i mean it's fun don't get me wrong characters but um because we were playing with so many people you had to wait a very long time until your turn. And also with some of the villains, their goals you had to, like for me, I could have won like six times, but um, I had to start my turn with a curse on every location. So when you're playing with nine people or eight people, I had seven people to try and fuck me over before my right. turn started and I kept getting fucked over. So anyways, it's a super fun game. You guys should check it out. Um, it was a blast. And yeah. And, and quickly speaking of Netflix <coughs> and uncut gems, I already told you this or texted you, but um, I get a text from my dad saying, uh, <laughs> we, I, uh, are you home? Are you available? We need to we talk. Need to talk. And, Anytime my dad, I usually call him to talk to him to see how he is. He lives sure. kind of in a, a rural um, sort of farm area out in Newtonville, um, a horse farm. And um, so usually I call him. So when he calls me, it's either your grandmother is dying or you're susceptible to prostate cancer because uh, you have a, a genetic deficiency or genetic. It's usually bad news. It's always bad yeah. news. Yeah. So I'm like. And and I hate that kind of cryptic text. Yeah, I hate that shit too. I just wish he could have told me in the text, but I know he's not great or at texting. Or just call you right away. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Instead of like this buildup. So I'm I'm thinking like, oh god, what is this? Like, what, is somebody sick? Is somebody like? Is there something else we have now? Um. So he calls. I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, dad, is, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, it's every, everything's fine. It's like I just want to let you know I saw Uncut Gems and I liked it. <laughs> and he's like. That's yeah. great. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, because he doesn't um, like Adam Sandler, but I told him when I had seen it after TIFF that even if you don't like Adam Sandler, you might get some vicarious joy of seeing I, him get punched in the face. Yeah, my dad would hate that movie. Yeah, like he didn't like – that. like that was his one criticism. The obvious one was like, There's, why is everybody always shouting? Mm-hmm. But I was like – I talked to him about that and, and my- other, other than that, he liked the kind of – 
tone it was. My, I had a funny forward. dad story when it came to movies, and uh, my mom was like, "Mike, what was that movie we got like five minutes into before you made us shut it off?" And he's like, "And he's like, I don't know. There's some annoying kids. They were spitting on a car." I'm like, "Florida Project," and he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Dad, fuck! You shut it off five minutes in. You got to give that movie a shot." And he's like, "Nah, I hated it. Those right. kids. It's like I hated those kids." And I was like, "Yeah, but I'm." Uh, I and I feel that. like that's how like. Academy members probably reacted to Uncut Gems when they were watching it. You know, they put it on first five minutes. It's not working for them. And then they turn it off or even less. Yeah. But anyways, what else did they – my parents watched something else they really liked or or didn't like. I forget. Well, you took them to Cats. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I never did that. Oh, yeah. no. You saw it I just your... saw it with Nevis oh, okay. the second time, which was at the end. And of, she's still with you. She is. <laughs> um, now she's, I made her watch Too Fast, Too Furious the other night. Um, yeah, uh, I guess we can get into what we've been watching. I guess I can start since I just said that. Yeah, I um, we'll get into the Fast 9 trailer later in the show, but um, that sparked a conversation between Nevis and I, and she was like, should I watch the Fast and Furious movies? And I was like, I think you should. Because she um, had never seen any of yeah, them before? Yeah, she's like, I want to... She was like, I want to watch them. And then I was like, I will 100%. She wanted to know what those Tokyo Drifting uh, <clears throat> skills were all about. Yeah, exactly. And she um, she was like, I don't know why I didn't watch them with you. Because I, I rewatched them last year leading into Hobbs and Shaw. Um, so I'm on that journey again. I said, I will do this with you. Because I want to experience this with someone who... Basically has no idea what's coming, um, so I'm very... Lucas Black. <laughs> I've warned her about Lucas Black and Tokyo Drift. So we watched The Fast and the Furious and uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. I think The Fast and the Furious still kind of like low-key fun. Not a great movie, but um, because I mean, it it's has the first kind of one, a dated charm to it, I guess, mm-hmm. now, because you're, we're far enough away from what? It was 2000, 2001? Yeah, 2001, I think. And so, like... Now there is kind of like maybe a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah, for and I it. think you can just see the not the building blocks, but I mean with Vin and, and Paul Walker in there and introducing the majority of the cast, like it's kind and of the iced fun. coffee. Yeah, it's that ice cappuccino scene. Um, it's fun to go back and watch that one. Uh, too well, fast, too and furious. And just seeing the like, evolution of yes, it, right? Exactly. Um, and too fast, too furious, just straight up bad. Just a real bad movie. So um, chewing ice. That's okay. uh, yeah, Vin Diesel missing in the series. There's a weird, like he's not a good actor, but there is a presence to him that you kind of feel is missing from Too Fast, Too Furious, and even you know Fast and Furious Tokyo, Tokyo Drift, Drift yeah. until the end. Yeah, because um, I mean it. It really is his franchise, and you can understand. I guess maybe he did feel a little bit intimidated by The Rock coming in and trying to sort of. You know, take it as his own because I mean, when The Rock came in, you know, with Fast Five, he basically, with the reinvention of the series, kind of stole the show. So, yeah. like, I could see Vin Diesel at that point being like, "Well, <laughs> you know, this is all I have. I mean, Riddick's not doing well. Like, this is this is my bread and butter." Um, I mean, it's it's wild to me that the majority of that cast, uh, other than the you know supporting people that they add in the the latter films, like they really don't do anything else successful other than fast no and but it's kind of nice that they have the fast movies 
to be in. But it's just such an anomaly to me. Right. Like, but it's even funnier people, now like, when you think like, okay, this is like who they were casting in the first one. You know, you've got your Vin Diesel's, your Paul Walker's, your Michelle Rodriguez's. And then, you know, in these latter ones, you have people like Helen Mirren and Charlie Theron Kurt and Russell. Kurt Russell. I mean, Kurt Russell's a genre guy. So sure. if anybody were to be in one of those, I could see him doing it. But like, you have these like, you know, established thespians popping up. We'll, we'll get to that <laughs> in, 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 uh, in the trailers. Yeah. But, uh, so I, I've been watching those, and then quickly, I, I'm, god damn it, uh, watching all the DCEU movies uh, because of uh, my friends at Kind of Funny are doing the DCEU in review over on their channel. Um, they have a ridiculous four-hour podcast about Batman v Superman, So, which I listened to the whole thing, which was wild, um, and I tweeted at them being like, I tweeted them our TIFF episode where we did three hours and 50 minutes. And they did three hours and 53 minutes on Batman v Superman. So I'm like, Eric and I covered 50 plus movies in that podcast. And I thought that you was ridiculous. You just covered one. <laughs> and you covered just Batman v Superman. So I thought that was, they thought that was pretty funny. But um, uh, so I watched Man of Steel, which did I talk about that last? I don't think I have I no idea. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Edition, all three hours worth. And I watched Suicide Squad. Uh, all three not good movies. Uh, I think, weirdly, Man of Steel is the, the most okay one out of them. Like, I, I, I felt the same way as I did watching. My opinions on any of these movies haven't really changed other than I slightly enjoyed Batman v Superman a little bit more in the ultimate cut, even though it's extremely bloated. Man of Steel, I think, is a perfectly okay superman movie until the last act where they had no regard for anything and it just turns into this smash fest where millions of people probably died right and Um, superman becomes a killer yeah which is just so against the character right or at least it feels like it is well it's dark superman right like this was coming after you know the christopher nolan dark knight trilogy right where everything had to be dark and serious and that works for batman and batman can be light and funny as well like we have seen in the adam west 60s tv series or even the original serials in the in the 1930s and 40s but it's like everything had to be that same tone and it just didn't fit for something like superman which is supposed to kind of be more optimistic Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and um then in batman v superman they just double down on that darkness and um and i feel like the ultimate cut, I'd be curious. I know you you hate the movie, and and you probably don't want to sit through three hours of it. But I was I I wouldn't say hate. I I felt more apathetic okay. towards it, and so did I. So. But also just exhausted. Like I remember yeah. when I saw it to review the film, I was sitting there, and by the end of it, I, I had the same feeling I did with you know most Michael Bay movies, especially the Transformers films, where lot, I just wanted you know. to go home crawl up in a ball <laughs> and sleep off a serious like a migraine headache, i yeah. had yeah and i get that and i feel like the last act is a disaster i kind of enjoyed the first half of the movie like weirdly like i thought it was okay and then um the stuff he's added in he added in almost i think like a half an hour with the ultimate cut and it really kind of fleshes out some of the things that were super confusing the first time where i'm like why is that person doing this or like this person just jumps from here to there and it felt like all over the place where they give more backstory to um 
Scoot McNary's character and like his kind of role into that bombing of the Capitol and stuff like that. And do we get more um, of Holly Hunter with her her piss twang? jar? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you do get more Holly Hunter. And do we get like, to see Jesse Malone, Eisenberg pee into a jar? No, Mal- that weird thing where he puts the lifesaver in the or the Jolly Rancher in the dude's mouth is still very weird. Um, very sexual. Yeah, and uh, Jenna Malone has a whole subplot that wasn't even in the movie. Yeah, I remember a lot of people were thinking she was going to be the female Carrie Robin. Kel- yeah, right? Carrie Kelly. Yeah, yeah, but she's not. She just plays like a scientist or something, and like or or, or forensic analyst or something. Um. Anyways, Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut is better. Is it a good movie? No, but it is better than the original. And cut. it's better than Suicide Squad. Oh my god! So then I watched Suicide Squad, and I was pissed that I had to. Re- not I didn't have to rewatch it, but I'm such a completionist because I've I've participated in every single in review series that these guys have done. Right, so like now I'm committed. Like they're doing Lord of the Rings at this year at some point. I've never watched uh, Return of the King or Two Towers, so. That'll be something. And I'm going to do it because I'm like, you know what? I've committed to this. I'm going to like, you know, better now than ever. I right. guess. So uh, I hope they don't do the extended editions. They if, probably like, will. I mean, some of them, I think a couple of them will push for that. And a couple won't because some of them are like diehard Lord of the Rings fans. And some of them aren't or like they want to bring in more people that are probably fans of it. But if some of them that are participating are just like going in fresh or aren't fans i think they might do the theatrical cuts just because i feel like the extended cuts are those like you know for the crazy crazy they're for the yeah the diehard fans fans, yeah or Um, just they'll say watch whatever cut you want we might discuss the differences in the cuts in the episode but will they be going down the hobbit hole as well everyone no they're not doing the hobbit movies um because they're supposed to, both of those series are supposed to get 4k uh transfers this year i hope that comes before they do this and um I think I will give the theatrical versions a shot because I've always tried the extended editions thinking that, well, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it. But then they're just too much for me. So I'm going to try and uh, actually sit down, put my phone away and pay attention and try to watch those movies later this year. I will be very curious to see if you can get through them, especially the first one. But that's the only one I've seen. I thought you I finished it. Oh, you finished like the last first one. year. Okay. I, I finished the first one and then I couldn't get through Two Towers. I mean, the action in, in Two Towers and Return of the King, I think there's enough there. And especially once you get to the third one, it, it it's a little bit more, I don't want to say kinetic, but at least it moves a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, although that ending that seems to go on forever. Oh, um, like eight different endings. Eight different but, endings. Yeah. But. I like those movies. I uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've I've revisited them, but um, I just remember like when Peter Jackson got that franchise, it was kind of a big deal because before that he was known as kind of like a B movie, yeah. you know, filmmaker. The biggest thing that he had done before that was the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox, and then you know movies like Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles, and you know things like that, and 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 Dead Alive, you know, and and so for him to get that, it was the same. It was around the same time that Sam Raimi got the Spider Man trilogy as well, and it's same thing. Where like you know the guy who made the Evil Dead movies is now in charge of this huge you know blockbuster franchise. Seems like we go through eras, right? Like now it's picking up a lot of like indie Sundance filmmakers to do big franchises and stuff right. like that. But maybe where- less established. Like it did feel like with 
Those Both guys, Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi, they had a really movies. robust filmography in their love of genre movies. Where with the Sundance thing, now I totally agree with that comparison, but. It's like they're picking these people up like after, after their first movie, movie and yeah. it kind of does them a disservice, I think, sometimes to kind of... You should let people get their feet and find their voice. Yeah, like Scorsese's like talked about that. He talked about that in the 90s. There's a video with him and Coppola talking about it where it's like, you know, you need to kind of slowly integrate them into the studio system. You need to go like, okay... We see potential here. We'll give you a, a ten million dollar budget movie to work on, and then you know if that does well or what have you, you know, move on to the next one. Instead of being like, "Hey, we're going to throw you into this," and even though you're not really going to have any control, there's this illusion of you being bringing, in charge, yeah, right, and yeah. bringing you know credibility to of what is otherwise a product. Yeah, and not I saying agree. that that's a bad thing. I mean, I like you know the the marvel movies to a certain extent and and you know blockbuster films is is next is to the next person but there are certain expectations going into any of these movies where it's like you're not necessarily going to get you know this you know filmmaker a or b kind of movie you're going to get something that's a kind marvel of in the machine movie that yeah. has a little bit of that person yeah. in it and i still if think that... the one and i still think the one that's kind of been the most prominent in terms of the voice coming through is shane black yeah with agree. Iron Man 3. Uh, I also rewatched Parasite because it came out on 4K digital. Um, I rewatched that this weekend. It, it's fucking so good, man. So good. And it held up completely. I think I liked it even more this time. Um, it looks fantastic in 4K. Um, well, even the blue screen stuff. Like, I was surprised yeah. how much of that they... Special effects. They built that yeah, whole it's house almost, on a It's set. seamless. A soundstage. Well, and, I knew that. But, yeah. like, just, like, like the, the additional kind of... With just uh, the size and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that shot is impeccable. Like, that keeps getting shared of the of the lawn with the house and stuff like that. And I just... I would frame that that widescreen frame like i think i actually kind of want to um i got a dope shout out to my old boss lauren who does pr um here in toronto she handles the english language pr for parasite she sent me some t-shirts which is pretty dope nice um i'll show you it after it's somewhere mk uh films right yeah but mk films is the distributor her pr company was just helping with like right because it's 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 a company out of quebec because they also have um Another neon movie that I really loved coming out in February or this month is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. So uh, her company, Tylight Digital, does uh, a lot of their PR here in Ontario and, and for the English language. So they handled Parasite. So she sent me some shirts and they're pretty dope. Uh, I also watched uh, Steamboat Willie, which is only seven minutes long, but I uh, got I hadn't seen it in ages and um, just kind of we it's. Speaking of villainous, we were talking about, so Pete from Steamboat Willie is going to be uh, one of the villains in the new expansion pack. So I jumped onto Disney Plus and watched Steamboat Willie. It's cute. Right. Um, it's kind of cool to see the history of seeing the gigantic thing that the Walt Disney Company is now, just to see one of their first, you know, Mickey Mouse cartoons was kind of charming. Um have you seen it recently or no? No, it's uh, not since I've been a kid. So yeah. I'll, I'll give it a – again, I haven't Seven watched a minutes, whole lot yeah. on, on Disney Plus with the exception of The Mandalorian and Gargoyles. Gargoyles yeah. <laughs> I, I loved Imagineering Story. I've been watching – I just – it's – nostalgia can be a good or bad thing, but I still – it's still just comfort food. Like I watched Emperor's New Groove and uh, Hercules with Nevis. And this villainous game, I know I keep talking about it, but it's like – it's 
bring up a lot of memories from my childhood and then I go, you know what? I haven't watched that since I was a kid. I wonder if it like holds up as an adult. And a lot of them do, man. They're still gorgeous to look at. Um, Emperor's New Groove, I think, is an underrated Disney animated movie. Um, I watched that with Nevis and we both loved it. And uh, I know my sister really loved it when we were kids. Um, but I want to make all those 90s Disney movies. I've been kind of making my way through. And even earlier, we, we you want to get to Atlantis. I, which I've never seen. Um, I think that was and, the last one I saw yeah. theatrically, and then... I stopped around Lilo and Stitch. That Treasure I, Planet was yeah. the, the other one that kind of... I didn't Those see that one. Those early 2000s yeah. ones is when I stopped, right? And then I'm. we're even going further back. I want to watch Alice in Wonderland and Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty, and uh, we watched a bit of Gr- Great Mouse Detective. We need to jump back in and watch that. I played as that's my that's my personal favorite. Is it? Yeah, yeah I played as Radigan, um, Vincent it, Price. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I won the other night when I, I remember being home. traumatized by that movie as well as a kid with the one mouse getting eaten by the cat. Yes, I, I can't wait to rewatch it. I, we're just just started it, and we were like, maybe let's save this for another time. And then the last thing I watched another short film on Disney Plus called Puddles, which is from this Disney. Uh, anthology series called Short Circuit, I think, or no, Shorts. It's Johnny uh, Five. No, it's not Short Circuit because that would be confusing. I'm gonna pull it up, but the short film I watched was called Puddles, and um, what I thought was really cool about this is it looks like they were giving some of the animators at Walt Disney Animation Studios kind of free reign to make an experimental short film, playing in different art styles. So um, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I'm trying to find the name of this short. Yeah, Short Circuit. Um, it's a series of short films and all in a different animation style from different animators at Walt Disney Studios. And I watched the first episode, four minutes long, called Puddles, about a kid who jumps into some rain puddles that puts him in another dimension. And like it was just super short, but really cute. and just. Uh, um, I'm I'm intrigued because like each one seems like it has a completely different art style. Matt's showing seems, me them now. Yeah, and it just seems like it's Disney. I think that it's cool that they're going, hey, like try some new things out and maybe we'll use this style in the future or something like that, right? I don't know. That's what I get the vibe from it. And it's just cool that they let their animators do stuff like this. And um, I'm excited. I think there's like 14 of them or something. Um, but it was pretty cool. Right. Anyways, that was what I watched. It's Johnny, she says. Remember when we watched Short Circuit 1 and 2? Oh, yeah. Short Circuit 2, shot in Toronto. Like Suicide Squad was. With uh, Michael McKeon. Uh, Definitely uh, enjoy uh, those movies, other than the uh, brown face with uh, Fisher Stevens. Yeah, it's not good. Problematic. Uh, Nevis just sent me a photo of... uh, you know, Sobe drinks or whatever with a little lizard. Cause we were watching too fast, too furious. And it was, it's weird seeing some of the brands that were in that movie, like West coast choppers. Right. And like, and Sobe was one of them. But. Again, a very kind of early two thousands yeah. aesthetic and sort of brand name logos, Dickie shorts and West coast choppers, t-shirts. So. <sighs> Jaw rule. You're going to yeah, date yeah. your, <laughs> if you're going to date your, uh, your movie, yeah. put in the, uh, the hottest new, uh, hip hop artist or singer in general. Uh, what you watch. So, uh, I rewatched a couple Steven Soderbergh movies. Um, one was because of, uh, the rhythm section, right. Uh, which is Haywire. Okay. I, I'll, and, and you know what? Go and listen to 
the rhythm section review because I'll talk about it more there because I think we needed to pad out some time with that. <laughs> um, but then the other one I watched and I shouldn't have because it scared me half to death uh, was Contagion. I, it, I think Contagion is excellent. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great movie. But watching it now in sort of what is going on with the coronavirus and, and what's happening, it's like the thing I was kind of struck by in both viewings because it had been a while since i had seen it uh the first time and then re-watching it again was how realistic it plays out yeah. as a procedural thriller and especially how the last five or ten minutes shows you how the disease is created or comes to it's be almost it's, like that saw reveal right you could put the saw music right i mean just except it's good um <laughs> fuck you <laughs> but also i mean the thing i also loved about it that I thought was bold in an interesting way is how they handled the Gwyneth Paltrow character, very similar to Janet Lee and psycho and yeah. sort of like she's positioned as one of the leads. And then they, you know, spoiler alert for a film that came out in 2011. She's the crux of the, yeah, the whole thing. Killer right? yeah. kills her off. And it sort of is the thing that kind of sets everything up. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting seeing how like, you know, different countries and continents around the world handle, you know, an epidemic of that size that spreads everywhere and how, you know, fear mongering is sort of the, the, the bigger of the, or, or the more threatening of the disease, you know, like that it's not the disease itself. That's scary. It's, yeah. you know, people becoming contagious with, you know, hate and fear and prejudice and which sort is of what turning happens on with each other. One of these yeah. things, which well, is even now, like you're seeing yeah. that online where like people are like, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's coming from China and stuff like that. So everybody like you're seeing like these nasty, like racist tweets and fear mongering on, on that kind of stuff. People calling people out in the street. Yeah. Or just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, like, it's, 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 I think it's okay to be concerned about something like that because you don't want to get and sick cautious and cautious and, 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 you know, wash your hands and things like that. But when you get to a point where, you know, you're treating somebody else, you know, as, as though they were a disease, it just is like, it's SARS all over the, again, right? You know, misinformation can be the scariest thing or, or, yeah. or just again, not, being able to comprehend what's going on and being anxiety ridden. Right. And I think that well, it's people, like one of those things where like the flu killed 40,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, year. exactly. Then, like, so if 800 people, like I know it's, it's unfortunate and it's shitty, but like, and then you also have to look at, well, like a lot of those people were either elderly or had, you know, an autoimmune disorder or illness in, in correlation with, you know, the, 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 the virus. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like people don't look at those things. They just see like, oh, the death toll or like, you know, the first person to um, become, you know, susceptible to the virus is is in Canada now and things like that. And that again, it's interesting seeing how like social media sort of just perpetuates that. It does. It really makes it even worse, right? Like two people in Canada, I think, were diagnosed with it. And I've been seeing people on the streets with masks i mean you do normally like, as well but not as no frequent yes yeah sure there are people who are just you know overly cautious and they just you know what maybe they have an autoimmune yeah. disorder or something who knows right and i'm not or maybe they have something and they don't want to give it to you uh, yeah, like, and i'm not one you know, to judge to, yeah. to each their own it's just sometimes i feel like with a lot of this like you said you can it, it kind of misinformation spreads people start to panic and and for no reason and not no reason, yeah and that's like, like what uh, a main point in the movie with jude laws you know amateur journalist, journalist blogger yeah. spreading these lies and rumors and you know getting into situations that 
could have been avoided if he just reported the news or the facts properly. Um, but it is a really good thriller, and that Cliff Martinez score, oh it's man, yeah. it's it is very much. I mean, like obviously, it's it's all sort of synth based, but it does feel like something that John Carpenter would have wrote or composed for one of his yeah. movies. You know, I, it, weirdly, I do want to watch it too, and I put it on the other night, and I got about to. Like you know, twenty minutes in or something, and I was like, maybe not right now. <laughs> yeah, it's and, uh, it is it is again like it it can kind of play upon those fears, but I do think it is a a really good horror film as well. I totally agree, and and a realistic horror movie, like the 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 villain of the piece is in a boogeyman or you know uh, a supernatural force. It's just people, really, mm-hmm. you know, and and what happens when something is introduced into you know the environment and the ecosystem and how people are sort of challenged by that and and how people kind of go through the motions of it i mean you could you could replace you know the the disease with like a nuclear fallout like you know like a potential you know uh yeah world war three situation yeah, and totally. it'd be very similar in terms yeah. of its structure and, and i think scott I like z burns like, yes exactly did an amazing job and that was also during the time of soderbergh's kind of you know after che he started before he, you know, his his self imposed retirement First was retirement yeah. was all genre stuff. So he did Contagion, he did uh, Side Effects, uh, The Informant, and the mag- even Magic Mike is is a genre movie per se, to like extent, a road trip, yeah. you know, buddy comedy in a lot of ways, and a hangout film. And so it was interesting seeing him kind of do that string of films and Haywire as well. I mean, Haywire is also very much a genre movie. So. Um, I kind of like that Soderbergh the most because he's the most playful when it comes to his experimentation. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Contagion, um, maybe not now, but I mean, <laughs> it is definitely worth it's checking even out. More terrifying, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. So another speaking of Soderbergh in, in, in a movie, this movie reminded me of Soderbergh a little bit, and David Fincher as well. That is opened in limited release in the U.S. Uh, right now and or currently, and will be playing uh, in Canada in limited release starting on uh, this Friday. So when we're recording this, uh, uh, February the. 7th is is that right uh, for for the friday february 7th what sorry i zoned out yeah you were looking at your phone uh the 7th is is friday right yes yeah yeah so uh kitty green's the assistant um with uh, julia garner and this is a film that is basically a behind the scenes um harvey weinstein drama and it's an observational film now the, the character is not named harvey weinstein but it's pretty obvious that it's him harvey feinstein yeah i mean it, it, he's he's never physically seen or he's never referred to by name oh okay yeah. but you get the gist that this is i mean like even when you hear his voice on the phone berating uh julia garner's character it sounds like that kind of gruff kind of voice that's kind of berating you know his assistants and other employees um but what the film focuses on is the is garner's character and sort of looking at this you know level entry job and seeing how you know it's not only taking 
you know, her energy and, and her sort of her, her free time away from her. But it's also basically it's her sacrificing her humanity in order to get ahead and being complicit in this structural, this infrastructure and the structural system that enables sexual misconduct and bad behavior and male uh, masculine uh, toxic behavior. So it's it's really fascinating to watch because it is so cold and calculated and distant in the way that it's shot and sort of edited and, and uh, Kitty Green, who has a documentary background, she did uh, uh, casting John Benet a couple oh, years okay. ago. I really liked that. Yeah, movie yeah, a lot. and and those sort of the cinematic reenactments she had in those, yeah, kind of feel like they kind of bled into this a little bit. And okay, then she also now did, I'm super intrigued. Yeah, okay. and she also did a documentary that played at Hot Docs um, a few years prior to that called Ukraine is Not a Brothel. And you can tell, like, again, there is a point of view or perspective being told, but it's also kind of removed where it's not trying to judge the characters because at the same time, you see that what she is doing is wrong. You know... She knows and you know what she's doing is wrong, but she's also a victim in her own right because even though she's not being sexually harassed, she's being emotionally abused and being told that, you know, in order to get ahead and, you know, to have a career in this industry, you need to shut up and sort of let these things happen and, you know, let the young starlet come into the boss's office and close the door and, you know, don't talk about it. Don't interfere with, you know, private matters. Don't go to H&R and complain about things that... That won't go anywhere because this guy this 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 elephant in the room has created a place for himself that is protecting him and the people around him are protecting him because they have been you know groomed to do so and watching this movie it's only 85 minutes but it is one of the most excruciating 85 yeah. minutes i have ever witnessed and sitting in that chair like i was like it it does it in a very kind of slow mundane fashion because it shows you just a regular you know working space a working environment that's typical to any kind of nine to five job but when you start to see what's really going on from her perspective and you know a day in the life kind of situation the movie becomes more and more morose and sinks its claws into you and it has this icky feeling that you know that this is a world and a lifestyle that if you decide to keep going down this path you're going to have to sacrifice your soul mm -hmm. and i think that's really fascinating and there's not a lot of exposition or text it feels like it's all very much in the moment there's one scene that kind of is a little bit of the expositional dump that doesn't come until the end but that scene is really great as well with uh, uh matthew mcfadden from succession playing uh, an hr manager and how he kind of basically says like you know again if you if you want to become a producer one day you need to you know be like one of the guys and and play ball and you know yeah. uh make sure that you don't snitch on us and, and stuff like that. And then like, e even the way that people know about it, it's an unspoken truth where they'll be joking, be like, I wouldn't sit on that, uh, that seat if I were you, or, you know, don't worry, he's not going to go after you because he's not your type. Like those kind of lines are chilling and scary in a way that I think like something like 
Bombshell wanted to be, but Bombshell kind of got too caught up in the style of it, where this yeah. movie is stripped down and minimalist, and I think that's what makes this film work so well. That's cool. So yeah, The Assistant is really worth checking out. I do want and, to go see uh, it, actually, now that yeah. Again, it. it's not a pleasant no, experience. No, but I mean, it sounds like a good movie. Yes. That's like, it doesn't... It gets under your skin. Yes, which is a good thing sometimes, right? Yeah. So. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, I uh, for for Gene Hackman's ninetieth birthday, I watched uh, Arthur Penn's uh, Night Moves, cool. um, which is a fun neo noir detective story with the great Hackman uh, playing a kind of private eye who helps out a a, a young uh, up and coming movie star and sort of gets entangled in the world of Hollywood. It's a, it's a fun film. It's 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 really well made. Um, it's a character study, so it's really all on Gene Hackman's performance, and I really do miss him as just an actor and as a presence like he is the quintessential everyman and watching that movie like he brings a style of acting that is very natural and lived Wasn't in what welcome to what uh, Mooseport? yeah welcome to mooseport was his last movie before he retired and then the last thing that he was on was an episode of uh guy fieri's uh drive oh right you you've told yeah, this yeah story yeah, yeah where he was just in a restaurant yeah because scorsese at. wanted him to do the voiceover narration for um the wolf of wall street there's like a bit of voiceover at the beginning uh that edward herman uh, uh did who just actually passed away a couple years ago um and hackman was like thank you very much i'm 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 done you know he's living his best life right now good for him yeah. you know um cool man is yeah. that it yeah that's yeah. it yeah cool 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 all right let's move on to staying at home on the digital front uh some really really good deals on right now uh leading into the oscars which we're going to be doing our oscar predictions later which i haven't even really thought about but we'll just do them on the fly <laughs> well i mean the academy um, has with that tweet <laughs> we'll just copy that um once upon a time in Hollywood in 4K, ten dollars on iTunes. These are all iTunes cameras. Oh, that shipped by the way this week. Oh yeah, my gift. Yeah, <laughs> my Christmas gift. And yeah, it's almost my birthday. <laughs> um, it could just be both. It's fine. Um, it's from the U.S., so uh, sure, it's that expensive. Once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, in 4K, ten dollars right now. Uh, iTunes Canada, Joker 4K, $12 right now, Hustlers 4K, $10, Dora 4K, not in the same... These next few movies, I'm just like, you know what, I haven't... Dora 4K, $10, Gemini Man 4K, $10, A Star is Born 4K, $10, The Wizard of Oz 4K is $10, and Schindler's List 4K is $10. Lots of good stuff that's in Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. I personally picked up, I already had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on digital, but I picked up uh, Joker and Hustlers because... Um, you love your Scorsese-adjacent yes, films. Yes, exactly. Nope. Was Hustlers just the price, or was it also because of the Super Bowl halftime show? Maybe both. A little bit of advertising? Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed Hustlers a lot. And Nevis, it's fun. It's a fun uh, movie. Nevis hasn't seen it yet. So I was like, you know what? I'll pick it up for her. $10 is nothing, really. So I'll yeah. pick it up in 4K. So that was it for me. Yeah, I have it on 4K as well. Uh, what 
what's your pick? So my pick on uh, physical media is Doctor Sleep on 4K, nice. which uh, also has the theatrical and director's that. cut, yeah, which is supposed to be three hours cut. long. Did Mike you Flanagan. watch it yet? Or no? no, I haven't yet. Um, but I heard I, it brings in some chapter-based storytelling, ooh, which I'm into. Some some Quentin Tarantino, Lars von Trier. Uh, I'm all about text. that. Text. I am as well, unless the movie isn't working, because then you start to think how many more chapters right, are there, that's right? Fair, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I I really like that movie, and it there was no way that that film was going to live up to the expectations of being as good as The Shining. There's just no way. Sure, you know, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It, it's it's ten times better than the miniseries, yeah. uh, with Steven Weber. But um, it's a solid movie, and it's just a shame that it kind of got forgotten, and you know, amongst you know the awards movies. And I think it's a film that maybe it'll kind of have a second life on streaming services and you know on 4k and and it's it's a good looking movie i like the way that mike flanagan shoots his stuff and a lot of what shouldn't work in a stephen king adaptation he's able to kind of make it work in in a way that isn't laughable yeah like the stuff with like rebecca ferguson could have been a complete disaster but her performance and his direction and writing make a character that's intimidating and right off the bat you kind of get the sense that you know you're in for a very atmospheric and dark sort of sequel companion piece but also it's kind of doing its own thing at the same time yeah go check out our review it's on the untitled movie reviews channel where we recorded in a tim hortons remember that? oh yeah 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 that was was good (laughs) and like a truck stop tim hortons no is that uh yeah it was sort of like a truck stop tim yeah and and i think the stuff i like the most in that movie is where danny is working at the hospice or the hospital for for the for the dying and like that like I could watch a whole movie just on that. Yeah, I wonder you know? if the extended has any more of that. I mean, I'm genuinely curious about that extended edition, and I think I will uh, check that out soon. Yeah, uh, another movie that I will uh, highly recommend checking out uh, that's available on Blu-ray is uh, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Yeah, um, which was one of my favorite films of last year. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get a theatrical release in Toronto. Um, but now you can own it on Blu-ray. I mean, it's also available um, on iTunes and, and digital. But it's nice that Shout Factory is releasing um, these IFC titles because, for the most part, IFC before then was releasing a lot of their stuff just on DVD, if anything. And some of their titles are still only on uh, DVD. Like, for example, uh, Wildlife, the Paul Dano movie, didn't get a Blu-ray release. And I was thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe Criterion would release it down the line because they also have a deal with um, IFC. IFC, and they never released it. And now, um, you know, with with Scream Factory and Shout Factory specifically, they're starting to go into uh, their own theatrical releases, but they're still releasing movies that IFC um, has picked up and and has released over the summer. And they're giving them pretty good releases. Like, even something that we didn't like, um, The House That Jack Built, they released that this week as well in both the director's cut and the theatrical version. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it goes to show you that they're 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 taking the time and effort to put together a decent um, Blu-ray with supplements and, like, actual, you know, commentaries and, and stuff like that. And and 
Again, it's worthwhile, especially with The Nightingale, because it's such a good movie. And, and if you want to go back and, and rewatch The Babadook as well, there's a special edition of that from uh, Scream Factory that's well worth investing uh, and, and, and owning for, for yourself. Cool. Yeah. And that was it? I think so. Unless there's something else I put uh, on there. Oh, no. Bad boy, uh, uh, Boys in the Hood. Bad Boys in the Hood. <laughs> bad Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood on 4K. First time on 4K. Um, again, classic John Singleton movie. Great performances. Um, kind of a time capsule, a period piece of the early 90s now. Um, but I'm curious to see how the transfer is with that movie. Cool. All right, moving on to talking trailers. I don't know if I missed anything here, but uh, well, they I mean, did. The one... They released a trailer today. The um, Sally uh, Potter movie, the the road less taken or the road. Okay. It was originally called Molly, but it's playing at Berlin and it has Javier Bardem and uh, Elle Fanning in the movie. Okay, well, there's that if you guys want to check it out. But I didn't watch that, so. Uh, let's talk some Fast and Furious. Right. <laughs> so uh, we got... God, this thing was ridiculous. But last Friday, they had a concert and trailer drop for F9 colon The Fast Saga, which is amazing. <laughs> um, wait to the ninth movie to call it The Fast Saga, and then just call this one F9, the best. Um, but we got our first uh, full-length trailer to the movie, and... Oh boy, I love Fast and Furious trailers because sometimes I feel like they're even. They're better usually than... better than the film, yes, right? Because they yeah. they they deliver on the promise of what you want in a very short amount of time. Even though this trailer was what three and a half minutes yeah. long, yeah. So I can only assume how long the movie will ultimately end up being. But you get all the thrills and suspense that you want in those movies, but in a smaller dose. And I I feel like the trailer sometimes set up higher expectations that Agreed. they can never deliver on because because they give you the biggest moments sometimes yeah and, and they're stuffed in between that with a lot of you know melodrama melodrama yeah. but not just melodrama but like bad dialogue that, and yeah, acting that's kind of what i mean but, but it's yeah. kind of all stilted and sometimes it just becomes a little bit monotonous and you have to buy in and and usually i do there was a time where i got tired out from them when you got to six and seven and then i enjoyed eight but then after rewatching them they kind of all switched around but anyways yeah this trailer absolutely ridiculous we get the reveal a couple of huge reveals in the trailer that i thought was interesting um john cena is playing the main villain in the film uh, working with Charlie's Theron's cipher, which is kind of like um, what they're doing with uh, the new Bond movie, where you have Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. I mean, it's all Hannibal Lecter, right? Yeah. Where it's like you have the the villain from the past movie, you know, pulling the strings, pulling the strings, yeah. and also kind of like working either with the main villain yes. of this or you know giving clues to uh, the the good guys. Yeah, that's fair. And then John Cena is revealed to be playing. Uh, <laughs> fucking dom's brother and the way that it breaks um, like you know it's coming because it's like yeah. you know his past your past comes to catch yeah. up with you but and he's like he's smarter than you he's faster than you and, and you clue in <laughs> right like, away yeah. but you just want them to say it because it's, it's amazing when it's like he's your brother but even like, better it's like he's a master thief yeah. an assassin yeah. like and then I'm and like, it's funny seeing him in like that like sort of stealth gear and it's and like, like it's like it's custom made for brown him. hair and like he's and how you're supposed to believe that he's brothers with vin diesel is just ridiculous um so he's playing the main villain uh get crazy action uh they show you some big set pieces with like uh you know a, 
um, an airplane with Charlie Saren's character and, and, and picking up one of the trucks. You see um, a car get launched into Vin Diesel who's standing onto a car. I think it was Vin Diesel who just literally seems like he catches the car right on top of the oh, other car. And at this point. The best thing in the Fast and Furious universe is that they use cars to catch people all the time. Like cars are you know, fucking baseball gloves, uh, cushions. Yeah. yeah. Or baseball gloves. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, Letty gets launched from another car and, and Vin just spins his car for her to land on top of it. I'm like, that would not, that's not okay. Right. But this is now um, gone into the territory of a comic book movie. Right? Oh, they are. I mean, Hobbs yeah. and Shaw fully went sci-fi. Right. And then this looks like it's who knows where it'll go, but Anyways, the I also like that one um, shot, which I mean, it's basically just trying to top the Dark Knight, where you have the truck flipping, flipping but it's like it... the truck is bigger than some of the buildings. That yeah. was super dope. <laughs> that was fucking Stop. rad. How can we top it? Um, just add more. Yeah, uh, that was super rad. I mean, you get your classic Fast and Furious, like, oh, it's all about family, and we gotta save. I each used other. to live my life one quarter and mile then, at a time. I don't know if there's anything else, but yeah, you brought up the truck flip, which was fucking awesome. Um, you get the plane picking up one of the cars and then the final shot, which kind of is a combo of that time where they launch themselves off after the train heist into the water where Vin and Paul Walker are like surfing and then have to jump off the car into the yeah. water. So there's kind of a sort of scene in this where uh, at the very end of the trailer where the bridge gets destroyed <laughs> and Vin is like, I got this. And then he drives and he like, somehow attaches a a cable or a rope onto it and then like tarzans off of the the thing to launch the car it's ridiculous and then that's how the trailer you think that this would be like triple x material and not fast and furious i just feel like those characters now are just one and the same Yeah, i know it's (laughs) so stupid and then uh you're amped after all that because you're like fucking sick action that's so that's fucking this is what i'm here for you think the trailer's about to end then you get the moment where and if you guys don't want to you probably stopped it by now but like if you don't watch trailers and things like that skip over the next minute or two you get that reveal where like someone's walking out and the family's all there and then it's fucking han <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> and like this is what we've been asking for or and some people are like, are complaining that like oh spoiler but i think it's good that they that universal showed this in the trailer because my motto is it's not it's it's the journey not the destination like i'm more intrigued now by how, how they're gonna retcon yeah. this yeah because it's so ridiculous i mean with letty's thing they already retcon her death yeah right? and that was with so like, lazily kind of put with, together like, she has amnesia <laughs> so what are they gonna do uh, with han so like that's the thing that i'm still very curious about and excited to see like you'll see the scene with statham at the end and like the car explode but like helen mirren comes in and like saves him or something yeah, or like it was that all or cover up because they they needed someone to believe that he was dead or like Vin has been working with, I don't know who the fuck knows, but even the way that, I mean, we're seeing it out of context and we're, we don't even know if these shots line up. But I like the way he's that, eating like, the nuts though. I love, God, nuts. Han is great. I'm so happy. Maybe he's like, eating those baby nuts. And I, I love, like, if you're going to go all out, just go all out. Bring people, right. it's a soap opera I kind of wish right? he was like, wearing an eye patch though. Yes, or like a cybernetic <laughs> arm or something like fucking Bucky or like. Yeah, I think the other thing, though, that hasn't been talked about as much 
Lucas Black is also back. <sighs> Great. Um, <laughs> the oldest looking teenager ever um, is Jordana Brewster as well. Yeah, right. She's because back, like, how she... do you bring her back without? Without bringing Brian. Because they never killed him off. No. Right? So. So it kind of makes me a little nervous. Like, how are they going to, like, are they going to explain gonna that? that? Or are they going to, like, kill back him off? kids or he's babysitting the kids where she. But like, that, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Because Brian's sense. always been such a big part of it. And, like, any opportunity to get back with the gang would be. I have a feeling John Cena's character kills him at the beginning and that's yeah and that's the off. thing I'm kind of a little bit nervous about like how that's going to be handled because like even with Furious 7 like a lot of people were like okay is this going to be you know for a movie that is kind of tasteless or crass and fun what have you I mean they did a pretty good job of it sort of handling way that better the but it almost would kind of feel it, yeah. a little bit disingenuous to to yeah. kind of kill him, him off be like murdered that or yeah. killed when he's actually and I, I i get like you know it's nice to have jordana brewster back because again we were talking about like how a lot of these people don't do anything outside of these movies and it's it's a part of her home as well i mean she's been there since yeah, the beginning, the beginning yeah. but at the same time it's like there there's only so many routes you can create to bring that character back and it's like that road that you're you're writing for that character is going to have to be probably tragedy yeah and i have a feeling that's probably the route that they'll go um or maybe it's a it's probably an off-screen thing i'm assuming right but it's still kind of like oh man that kind of sucks because it seemed like it was a nice way to kind of like end that and give him a nice ending or whatever that character right but then I guess they'll play on that and the audiences, you know, it's kind of a weird meta narrative too, right? Because if you kill off that character or kill him off off screen, that is a, you know, for people who genuinely care about these movies, not ironically care about them, that's probably a, a huge thing if you were to kill that character, right? So, yeah. Um, that would be a reason to pit that would, like, brothers be against killing each other. Han Solo. Ah, in, yeah. Uh, in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other saga. That would be a good reason to hate someone who, you know, that you've never really, you don't know much about and is revealed right. as Dom's brother. But then you also like know, ultimately, that Dom, that Dom is going to welcome John, John Cena, Cena into the fold at some point, I mean, right? I doubt it if he kills... Right, but uh, if he doesn't... Right. Yeah, true. You know? I mean, with with Han coming back now, you're like, all right, all is forgiven to Jason Statham. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're cool, guys. Now it makes sense why he was at the barbecues, but, right. like... I don't know. It's just like justice is coming. Well, Jason Statham is the Vegeta of uh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, Fast 9 coming. She a coming. And then Fast 10, which shout out to Joey Noel when she tweeted me um, that the 10th movie has to be uh, called uh, Fast 10 Year Seatbelts. It has to be. Right. right. So, anyways, that's coming next year. So they must have shot them back to back, like the way. Avengers. Yeah, good Christ. <laughs> uh, so we talked about the Super Bowl at the opening of the show. Uh, we won't talk about Baby Nut anymore, even though I keep getting people messaging right. me about my tweet being stolen and that Han was eating them. Um, yeah, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, were they like corn nuts? That I'm he was sure they were, eating? but so baby corn nuts. <laughs> But I just again I like Han. It's nice seeing him again. Yes, I can't wait to Although see it's going to suck because it's like what happened to Giselle Gal Gadot? Yeah. She's not, guaranteed she's not dead either. Right. They're all um, come back. It's just everyone. <laughs> Bring everyone back. Death doesn't matter. It's a soap opera now. I was oh, that's another thing. I was home. And I have this weird nostalgic 
thing for days of our lives because it was a the one soap opera my mom watched every single day so when when i was at home when i was a kid and stuff like that just days of our lives was always on and i just there's certain things about days of days of our lives that i just remember names you know certain characters just from growing up and my mom when i would come home from school she would record them and then watch them in the early afternoon slash evening when she would get home from work it was like her and wrestling that's what i mean and i i again wrestling is a soap opera fast and furious is a soap opera and in in days of our lives it's just so funny and um that it's just like oh yeah stefano is back his brain was implanted into this younger guy which guess like, what that sounds like fast like, and the yeah furious. so i'm like this is fucking fantastic fast and furious is just a high budget soap opera they got to do that at some like, point where like one of the characters becomes in fused with a car and it almost becomes Cronenbergian like Transformers <laughs> um it'd be amazing uh so anyways anyway Super Bowl was on Sunday uh we talked about some trailer reveals that we got uh we didn't actually go into detail about the one that uh, was the most surprising for me so we're gonna go through some of the big game spots we got on Sunday Friday which... night's a great night for football <laughs> sure it was a Sunday night but no I know but it's I last boy scout I, I, I got it yeah yeah last boy scout's great um so we got a bunch of like 30 second spots because that's usually sometimes you get a minute long spot but let's kick it off we got that disney plus ad for falcon and winter soldier wandavision and loki uh which i was not expecting that's why i got so excited for it and i am very excited for these shows and i do feel like out of the footage that they showed us even though it was very brief and two shots from each show it seemed like I well mean, we one, just really won for loki uh, i mean has it even really gone into production i think yet? it just started yeah. right and then um and uh a bunch from wandavision but they were quick cuts but um from falcon and winter soldier we see um uh anthony mackie throwing captain america's shield we see a shot of uh, uh bucky with his short haircut looking really sweet um pulling a gun on someone we see wyatt russell's character as u.s u.s agent only from behind though we don't Do you think he'll face. be related to kurt russell's character um <sighs> Who knows? Um, <laughs> they should. I hope they. Well, that it's because he did. I mean, seed a lot of children. Children. Yeah. Ooh, you're onto something. I like it. Because um, how would he be a super soldier? Right. Unless they gave him the serum, which is more likely. But, well, um, super sperm. Yeah. Oh God, baby nut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you see U.S. agent briefly at a football game, and then you see some. Uh, you know, we got a wingsuit in. We got a wingsuit shot, and uh, it looked really cinematic to me. Like it looked like an MCU, which you've always said they kind of have a TV. Yeah, feel to them. Anyway. Well, a structure is, as well. I mean, yeah. like it's an ongoing series, Saga, basically. Yeah, right? so it makes sense for television as well. But I was just like, oh, these seem like legit MCU part of that universe, right? And and I was intrigued by that. I was most intrigued by WandaVision. Yeah, it um, seems like they are experimenting with like you know the nineteen fifties, sixties sitcom sort 70s, of seventies, eighties. Like it looks like whether each episode will be a different style or if it's just going to jump between a bunch, but it's playing in that bizarre kind of, we're going to jump through a bunch of eras of sitcom kind of things, but I don't know what that show is going to be. Right. Well, um, knowing that it is getting released at the end of the year, you can also now expect that the new Dr. Strange movie will probably be going into production pretty soon because that's supposed to be sort of a, 
you know, a, a backdoor yeah. to that movie, and 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 Wanda's supposed to be a, a major character in uh, into the uh, multiverse, multiverse of madness, madness yeah. yeah. Yeah, so WandaVision looked really cool. We got a bunch of quick shots of the different kind of styles and and art styles and and black and white color Wanda in her actual Scarlet Witch costume from the comic. Which is probably just like like a fun little kind of like joke for one of the episodes, the way that like at the end of the Wolverine you saw like the the samurai suit that was given to him was like the the, the 60s and 90s cartoon uh, TV series. Yeah, you saw her with... uh, in. She was pregnant in a bunch of the sequences. You saw two cribs. You saw um, Vision in some jeans. <laughs> um, so uh, that was dope. You were a Vision in jeans. And then you saw um, the last shot of Loki uh, sitting in what looked like almost like a prison, uh, saying, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Yeah. And uh, some is he talking to Owen Wilson, who was just added to the cast? Wow. Oh wow, guys! I'm uh, working with my Midnight in Paris co-star again. I can't wait to see who the hell he's going to play in the MCU. That's exciting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm excited for these. I was play like I, we both enjoyed. Who's the frog? Frog Thor? Oh yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, we have some news about. Well, we don't have some news, but there was some more stuff about Christian Bale probably playing the villain in, right. in uh, Love and Thunder. And then um, also Eternals is just finished uh, shooting. Shooting, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on, and and um, this year's an interesting year for the MCU because yeah, the two theatrical movies, Black Widow and the Eternals, and then we have two MCU shows with. And I feel um, the shows they'll give more leeway for experimentation and sort of the filmmakers or the directors on those shows to kind of play with the narrative a little bit more because they have like you know say eight episodes to six episodes six six episodes is there one yeah. that is, is is eight i thought they're all going to be six but i'm okay be wrong so they're shorter than the mandalorian then yes but they might be hour-long episodes okay but we all don't right. i don't know if we know yet right um but it but given that it, if it is an hour and six you know Episodes I can't see it being total. an hour long. I think they'll be closer to Mandalorian with a right, maybe forty five minutes, forty minutes, probably forty forty five. Right, minutes. but with that time, I can see them being like, okay, well, here you can kind of, you know, we have to get from A to to B to C, but at the same time, you can kind of do that in your own way. Yeah. Anyways, I'm excited for them. They look. They. I'm. I'm curious because, like, I want to see how that works on. Yeah, and, and and again, I think WandaVision's the one that I'm I'm most intrigued by because of it, or knowing that it's going to go into the next Doctor Strange movie as well. And it just and seems seeing, like, like it's the that... most interesting visually. And, yeah, and we don't really know what it's going to be about. And yeah, to um... be honest, I'm I'm like I'm I'm sure I'll maybe eat crow on this or what have you or eat Falcon, but um, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, of the three is the kind of like. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it, but it's not like the, the thing that's really drawn the me stuff that I don't in. like either of those characters all that much, or even um, the actors. To be honest, same. But I mean, I like uh, Anthony Mackie in the Hurt Locker, but other than that, I've never like. I agree. I've just haven't been a I've huge. Never fan. liked him. Um, Sebastian Stan, I'm fine. Winter Soldier, I, I, the character's fine, but. Um, that hair though was ridiculous. And, well, it's way better now. I yeah. think he uh, he looks way better. But I'm, I'm more excited intrigued. for Wyatt. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm most intrigued to see if um you know, and with Daniel uh, uh, Brule coming back, um, Brule's rules. Um, 
is intriguing to me too because he's wearing really, that stupid <laughs> i but i'm i'm curious to see how that all works because i think his baron zemo was really interesting in civil war of, right. of, of he, doing that he truly was that. an interesting per, sort of take on that villain because they kind of took away all the goofy stuff right but now i'm curious to see how they introduce the goofy stuff and like if he's manipulating whether it's the government with hydra involved still and u.s agent i'm I'm curious to see how that all plays out, right? Like, is Wyatt Russell really the villain? And, right. and, and Daniel Brühl's, again, just pulling the strings. And like, Well, again, another Hannibal Lecter situation, because yeah. at the end of, you know, Civil War, he was locked He's, up in a exactly. container. So I'm curious to see, and with all the stuff that we had in, in Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier with, with Hydra and things like that, are they going to play up some of those elements even more? And um, Right, well, you could kind of, I guess you could kind of, if you're playing it as if it were a post-World War II sort of action spy thriller, you could do kind of like, you know, Nazis fleeing Germany and sort of taking on new identities and hiding out and sort of like starting their own like smaller groups, right? And then you could have, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier hunting them down, stopping them like, you know, the boys in Brazil or something like that. Totally. Yeah. It's intriguing. Uh, We got a new 30-second spot for No Time to Die, which I thought was much better than the first trailer. Yeah, Um, this is probably the one I've been – that now has me kind of excited a little bit more so than than any of the other promotional material we've seen so far. To the point where I actually ranked all 24 movies. Yeah, you sent me that Uh, list. Did you rewatch them or you just – Just out of memory, Memory. but I'm going to start rewatching a few of them um, as we get closer because it's been a while since I've seen – like a lot of the Roger Moore ones, like he was I'm my do least the favorite movies, Bond. Just leading into this, I do want to go through and watch all of them eventually again. But I like um, the Dalton ones as well. Uh, the rumor is, I mean, Rami Malek might be playing Doctor Doctor No, right? And then, um, but I liked this. I liked the the plane sequence with him and Latasha Lynch, right? Yeah, from um, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, I also liked, uh, you get a little bit more of what's going on. There's some beautiful shots in the trailer, I thought too. And it's getting me more and more excited for no time to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was a good 30 second spot. Uh, they said this will change everything. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious to see how much input, uh, from Phoebe Waller bridge will kind of make it into right. the final film. Yeah. Agreed. Um, there was another F9 30 second spot. Did you see this that used hallelujah? Yeah, it yeah. was ridiculous. It's it's so dumb. <laughs> it is really dumb, but I love it. Uh, I guess it is kind of like the second coming, right? Yeah. Uh, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Uh, God. Oh, God. Well, like I texted you, we live in hell. We do. I think so. Um, I'm surprised there hasn't been any of those kind of. You know, I would kill a million minions to right protect Baby Yoda. Sure. No one does anyone care about minions anymore? I don't think so. Like we, I was proud of you because you didn't even see the minions. Movie. No, I, I just mean, couldn't do I, it. But... I couldn't do it. it was... Usually, you can see everything. I know. I hate minions. Like I can do it with the Despicable Me movies because they are supporting characters, Agreed. even though there's still too much of but them. I refuse to watch a minions. Movie. Yeah, and that and, and like that even had the voice of Michael Keaton in it, and I didn't see it. Yeah, can't do it. Not well, this, gonna this do looks it. Terrible. Um, just saying. Yeah. Uh, a Quiet Place Part 2, we got a new 30-second spot, which revealed that uh, John Krasinski is... Half a man. Uh, yeah, is going to be in the film, uh, which I kind of Flashbacks, expected in the yeah. flat. Once we saw that first trailer where it had the day one showed you uh, what happened when these aliens invaded, um, 
I think they're aliens, right? Or we don't really know what they are or where they came from, right? Right. They might um, be from the same planet as the Cloverfield monster. Yeah. Um, so Krasinski's in this. Uh, I thought it was effective. I'm very excited for A Quiet Place Part 2. I don't think it's something I needed, but I... Uh, one part of me is worried that when you open it up too much and it's not self-contained to that one family especially when it, it doesn't be, need to be yeah. opened up because like i mean that's the classic example with terminator terminator as as you know uh, a chase yeah like uh, a, as a horror film yeah. as a slasher movie was like a one and done kind of thing and cameron was able to kind of change the tone and just turn like it into aliens, a, alien into aliens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But this seems like it is just expanding on what was already built. And like, there were a lot of, pl- I liked a quiet place, but there were a lot of plot holes in that movie coming out of the film when thinking about like, Oh, well, why didn't they live closer to like, you know, water or something like that? Or, yeah. you know, like y- you start to pick it apart and it's still an enjoyable movie to kind of be invested in especially with the visceral quality of it but at the same time you do wonder if you know it's too much of a good thing because it was kind of a surprise hit it was a movie that people weren't expecting to do well in terms of a high concept uh horror movie and now you're kind of building a mythology around it and sometimes forced mythology doesn't always feel appropriate and it will maybe to some feel like a cash grab Totally, but I don't know. It got me. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm curious about it, and uh, I mean, I think the one thing I am a little bit nervous of or or apprehensive towards is the flashback because you'll have stuff that's going on in the present or with Emily Blunt character kind of meeting up with new people that are other survivors and stuff like that, and then like where are those cuts going to be? Like, will they take will away it feel from disjointed? The, yeah, and will it take yeah. away from the story that you're more invested in, or will it only kind of be maybe the opening scene where we kind of get you know a, a ground level perspective of how you know these characters were brought into the situation yeah i agree uh top gun maverick um we got a new 30 seconds tom cruise is crazy what a maniac dude (laughs) like i had to be like nevis come i know you don't care about top gun but i'm like come watch this trailer because i'm like look at this fucking maniac look at him he's flying it (laughs) he's flying the jet and i'm like it's he's just basically the whole trailer is just he is gonna kill himself one day i know i worried about that because i thought about the kobe bryant stuff and like um that happened while in our break from recording we recorded two episodes last um last time so we haven't recorded in a couple weeks and and unfortunately while we were off kobe bryant passed away in a in a helicopter crash and his daughter and and his daughter seven other people yeah which was horrific but um i've thought of that exact thing of just being like man if he keeps escalating this shit he's just yeah, I mean, he already broke his foot on yeah. Fallout. I mean, he's shooting the new Mission Impossible right movies right now, back to back. And, like, there's this image of Tom Cruise that I think he even has at this point where it's like, people are expecting this certain amount of showmanship to come from me, and I have to, like, deliver on and it. I have and, to keep escalating yeah. and, like, get it and outdo myself. And,. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's just like it it makes for exciting. Oh yeah, like part of me was like this guy like, is insane and then the other part of me was like I cannot wait to see this in IMAX. <laughs> right. And I can't. So like I I I think it looks just because of that alone where you're just like this motherfucker's flying a fighter jet for a fucking movie. Yeah. Tom, um, you don't need to do it. Yeah, we easily with special effects now. We do. I not think that's need why he do won't this. do any space, or people won't let him do any space movies. Because he'll actually go to space. <laughs> he'll fucking call Elon Musk and be like, "Can you lend me a rocket ship?" And he'll be like, "Yeah, sure, Dan." Yeah, because he has to pay for his own insurance yeah, for those sequences. Because people as well. won't insure. Yeah, the studio him, yeah. won't do it. 
Yeah. So he basically has to go all if I die, you can take, It's on me, guys. <laughs> I'll give you the money. Basically, I'll I'll pay for my own death. Uh and then we got a another trailer for Black Widow. Uh nothing super new in this. Although uh, I kind of laughed at something that I don't know wasn't if it was an intentional. It's the scene where David Harbour yells and it almost sounds like there's like a a sound cue that almost sounds like it's coming from him, but yeah. it's not. But it almost sounds like a dolphin or something right. like that. It goes, yeah, yeah, because it's the music, right? And then it's just a- it's just badly timed because it does sound like it's coming out of his mouth. And then there's a lot more Florence Pugh in this, which I yeah. think is intentional, right? But, um, well, I mean, both Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson are competing for Best Supporting Actress, which they'll lose to Laura Dern if that Academy uh, tweet is to be believed. It's a good segue. Do you want to go right into that? Or Hell do you want yeah. to go into the news? I think we should go, to in, go into that because we segued pretty well. Yeah. So, um, so great segue. Um, the Academy Awards are this Sunday. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to say about it's, this. Like, other it's than, crept like, up on me a little bit. It's the well, day it's after, a shorter season, right? The day after my 31st birthday. Yeah. Um, so happy early birthday to me. Will Parasite winning Best Picture be the uh, belated gift? God, that's all I hope for. So I don't know how you want to do this, if we should do official predictions, if you just kind of want to talk about it. I think we should just talk about it in general, because at this point it feels like at least the acting categories are pretty much locked locked down, unless there is some sort of last minute surprise but i don't know where that would come from like i don't like maybe like some people were like oh supporting actress may be the one category where it's kind of like oh you know someone like florence Pugh who hasn't actually factored into the race previously not that she would win necessarily but because she wasn't nominated for sag um would kind of maybe take away some votes from laura dern and maybe someone else like scarlett johansson would win for Jojo Rabbit because she's been nominated for two, but then that also could split the vote because she has the two nominations this year. And I think like you, you can start to overthink it. But like the one thing that bothers me as well is like I can't believe Renee Zellweger is winning for for Judy. It's just I know, such, I agree. It, it's this year's uh, Rami Malek. It really is. Um, so maybe let's go through. I have the nominees up here. You just want to go category yeah, sure. by category and have a yeah. discussion about each. So I'm just going in whatever the hell this order is on the Academy website. Um, or on the Oscars website. So it kicks off with writing uh, original screenplay. So the nominees, Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, do you think this goes to Parasite or Once Upon a Original Time Screenplay? Yeah. Because um, it seems like Parasite's been pulling ahead in all the, like... Yeah, know, so this like, might be almost like the consolation prize for Parasite yeah. in the uh, non-international category because I, I feel part of it with that... If Parasite doesn't win Best Picture, which it probably won't, but it still has a shot, a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, it's winning, you know, Best International Feature, so that's its Best Picture prize, but if we do want to give it something else, why not give it original screenplay although i think production design it deserves it has the, a chance the to, win yeah. for, for that but jojo rabbit's been really building up some momentum in you know costume and production design and things like that and and i think jojo is going to win uh, adapted screenplay why is it in adapted because it's based on a book oh it is yeah okay i didn't know that um so yeah i think for me it's between once upon a time in hollywood and parasite yeah i mean if i were to pick screenplay. at this moment i would actually say maybe parasite because there's this there's this thing with tarantino where 
he's been quite adamant that he doesn't want the screenplay award this year. He wants either best picture or director, director because he yeah. always wins the screenplay or he's always nominated for the screenplay. So that would kind of be like, you know, just a, again, a consultation prize. He doesn't want that. He wants the big award. And I think part of that vocalism of that or being vocal about it has kind of sullied voters on him getting that award so it's right. like fine we'll give it to somebody who actually wants it. would want the award or appreciate the award so let's give it to bong joon ho yeah so adapted screenplay we have two popes little women joker jojo rabbit and the irishman i think it's jojo yeah same i, I mean a lot of people were thinking as the season was kind of ramping up that steve zalian could get it for the irishman and then other people were then thinking that you know because greta was snubbed in director um and she he- didn't win Lady Bird won nothing, so like this would be again like a consolation, consolation prize. prize. Yeah. And sorry for for not voting for you, but JoJo seems to be picking up steam a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and like there's, I think more industry people like it than critics. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I liked it quite a bit. I think um, it's okay. But I don't know if it's one of the you know best movies of the right. year, or the best script of the year, or anything like that. But it's not I, even the best World War Two protest film. Fair. The Malik movie, man. Um, um, I agree with that. Even though I enjoyed JoJo more, I can right. objectively say which movie I think is probably a better. Right, but. but but it is interesting that JoJo is now kind of like in that last sort of leg of the race is really a contender. A contender. It's like it's you have World War One and World War Two movies kind of pushing ahead. Yeah, and and Christopher Nolan's like, guys, God I was there three God, years ago. God damn it, guys! <laughs> uh, visual effects: you have um, uh, Avengers: Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, nineteen seventeen, and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I, I don't know. I, like- I think The Irishman is divisive, but at the same time, it's the one that's been talked about the most. Like people for special effects keep yeah. talking about it, and like. It's been sort of in the conscious sort of consideration for like, oh, this is, you know, a potential winner. But I could also, again, see 1917 just kind of sweeping in some of the tech Which categories. To me, doesn't make any sense for this no. award. But I, like I get no. there's some visual tricks there. And, and uh, obviously with a lot of the action, which was practical, but I mean the camera tricks are part of the visual effects i think like that and and stuff but to me i'm like how do you visual effects with endgame and even lion king I'm just i think like, endgame I, though specifically it's kind of like they probably were more prompt to give it to infinity war and right. again lion king kind of cancels itself out because i feel like it's one of those movies where it's like we don't know what it is but we'll right. give it this and we'll give it a nomination yeah because yeah. is it animated is it live action knowing uh, I, I with the academy and how much they love well i mean just the award season in general with 1917 i, I think it's gonna be 1917 because yeah. i think irishman is ultimately going to be snubbed for everything like i think it's yeah. gonna lose Unless Thelma Schoonmaker wins editing, which that could be the one category it takes home the award this year. But, I mean, everybody has talked about the de-aging. So that has been something that has stuck out. So people, whether you like it or not, has been a topic of conversation. So people still remember that, where the other ones, like the Star Wars nominations, kind of like, okay, this is the, the last time we're gonna nominate this for this saga that's why so we score think. nomination yeah. too right Which yeah because this will probably be, be the last time yeah. for john williams yeah 
Uh, sound mixing, Ad Astra, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The one I'm most happy about in that category is Ad Astra because they weren't sending out screeners for that. Like, they actually, people were actually going to see the film or like... Had to go to an Academy screening yeah. or something like that. So that's yeah. kind of cool. I mean, it's not going to win. I think it's going to be either Ford versus Ferrari or, or 1917 because yeah. usually when it comes to the sound categories... It's how loud the the loud it is and how much sound and is in it. What the fuck is the difference between editing and and mixing again? I don't know, but apparently yeah. they're they're putting the two together next year, so it's so only going to be best five. Sound or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, and usually it's the same movie wins both. So for the most part, yeah, I think sound and and again, this is you know in layman's terms, and I'm probably getting this wrong. So if there's somebody that is a sound mixer or engineer. You know, tweet at us or write us yeah, please, something. But like, I think when it comes confused. to sound mixing, it's it's sort of getting sounds like recording like sounds Foley and, and stuff. Like yeah, that. Like, like like actually sort of finding what works, and then with sound editing, it's actually kind of syncing that to the picture and and sort okay. of getting that to work. But that again, very rudimentary definition. I'm sure I'm wrong on that. So I would mixing is almost like the actual sounds where the editing is how the sounds work. With yeah, how and I, how they're sort of how you would maybe perceive infused it. into the into the the mix of the overall film. Yeah, so it, it'll be Ford v Ferrari or uh, or nineteen seventeen, probably in both of these categories. Star Wars is the only one that changes and took Ad Astra spot in the sound editing, which again is kind of weird because it's like. It's like Ad Astra only got that one, but again, like usually most of those movies end up in both categories. Which is why they're eliminating it, yeah. right? Because like I don't think the people voting even know the difference for the most no. part. Like the sound people do know, but they're the ones who only vote for the nominees, right? right. And then uh, – because correct me if I'm wrong, but the entire Academy votes on every category in the actual – I think uh, so. I it's mean, just I, the nominees come from the different guilds and stuff, yes, right? Yes, and then or different departments. Yeah, and then like each branch is kind of looked upon like who has the most in terms of like what could be swayed in 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 a certain favor. I think the acting branch is the biggest is branch, the biggest one. And then producers, yeah, and it and for best picture, it's a preferential ballot. So like your number one means the most, and then you know two, three, four, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um. Do you have any opinion on any of the short films? Not really. So I we can skip those. I just I haven't seen any of them except for Kitbull. Yeah, which I thought was excellent, but um And usually the Disney movie does win because it's the most watched watched <laughs> and campaigned for, but then sometimes you'll get like something that maybe is smaller sort of I know people like hair, lo- hair love a lot. That might be yeah. the winner this year. Yeah. Because I have been hearing a lot about that one. So, uh, Production design. You have The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I would love if Parasite won this. Yeah, um, I would too. I mean, I would even love uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win just because of Tarantino dealing with the first man production. Um, <laughs> fucking first man interfering with his continuity. His Cinerama dome. Um, but I think again, Jojo Rabbit is one of those movies that could pull that one off. I mean, the house is an integral part, like the house and Parasite, to the narrative. And I think production designers and art directors and 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 prop people are looking at that. Like, how does that integrate into the story? And I just feel like that's a big part of 
that narrative, especially with the Thomas and Mackenzie character, right? So you're going with JoJo? I think JoJo, but I want to go with Parasite. I'm Parasite's go, the one I'm I want. I want Parasite home. to win, but I, I want to play it smart. I know, so. I know. Sometimes my, you know, my gut gets in the way in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Original song. Uh, we have uh, I Can't Let You Go, I think is the title. It, it cuts off. I don't know. The Randy Newman song from Toy Story 4. Uh, you have uh, Rocket Man, you have Breakthrough, you have Frozen 2, and you have Harriet. I think it's going to be Harriet, because uh, I think they're going to want to make Cynthia Erivo uh, an EGOT, EGOT winner. Because she's nominated for Best uh, Original Song and uh, Best Actress. So um, I think this would be the opportunity. Not, I mean, that movie is, is not good. Right. Even her performance is kind of one note. I mean, she's she is a, a great actor, but I feel like there there is this opportunity there to be like we can name you you know an egot winner now you know and like that's kind of is a she big deal only missing an oscar yeah. or oh that's it yeah okay yeah that's probably does sway some people's votes right yeah um and unfortunately sometimes it's not the thinking of like what's the best song although i mean there, i don't think there's really any of like no the best song category this year um the one that should have been nominated that i would have picked is glasgow um, okay. From Wild Rose that Jesse Buckley sings that uh, Mary Steenburgen uh, yeah. wrote, but of like e- even movies I liked, like I like Rocket Man a lot, but the song was not yeah that I agree. great. And again, it's just an and opportunity. The Toy Story to... one I can't even. I don't yeah, even know it just what it all is. bleeds together with Randy yeah. Newman. Um, he's also nominated for best score. Yeah, for Marriage Story. Yeah. Well, so um, is his uh, his um, uh, nephew uh, Thomas Newman for. Um, oh yeah, so we're, that's the next category. Wow, we're just killing it with the segues. I guess it makes sense they put the music ones <laughs> beside right. each other. Uh, so best original score, um, we got uh, Joker, uh, Hilder. Uh, oh my god! Hil- I think you can just read Hilder the. Hilder You can just read yeah. the Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, nineteen seventeen, and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I think Joker's going to win it. Same, but Thomas Newman has been nominated, I think, eleven times. Oh, wow! So he's like the Roger Deakins, Deakins of, of composers. Uh, composers. Okay. So again, and John Williams has won it too many times, right? Yeah, and he's been nominated like a zillion times. Yeah, he's the Meryl Streep of composers. <laughs> Uh, even John Williams is like, I'm over myself at this point. Um, does he even show up anymore? Yeah, he does. does. He's not curmudgeon. No, 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 no. He's just kind of like, guys, this is getting ridiculous. Um, even his rise of Skywalker score is good, but it's just a star Wars score. But yeah, I, I think Joker will win, but at the same time, 1917, yeah. And again, there's that narrative of, you know, I, this guy's been nominated 11 times at this point and it's like. You know, you got to give it to him eventually, right? And this is probably going to be the best picture winner. So, you know, why not now? I'm going to go Joker. Yeah. I, I think, think Joker, like, like, even if you don't like Joker, I think score those scores. Is yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, makeup and hairstyling. Bombshell. Um, Suicide Squad wins again. <laughs> um, Academy Award winner, uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, 1917. You think bombshell? I think just bombshell. A lot of wigs just, and fake yeah. noses and and fat suits. Yeah, cool. Again, it's the most. It's the showiest. In a way, I think Joker probably also deserves that award. But it's kind of like, how can we make these actors disappear into their roles? You know, can we put John Lithgow in a fat suit? Yes, we can, and we will. Although I will say that that Charlie Theron 
did look a lot like Megan Kelly. So Agreed. I have to give the 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 makeup. And it didn't crew. look like weird or no, off-putting. no. It, it looked weird in the sense that she looked right like Megan Kelly, and it was like it was kind of off. So that means it was really good. Yeah, yeah. but and it's the same the guy who did. Bad, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the one thing where it's like it truly feels that's like egregious. a movie movie. So that's what I mean. Like, yeah. It's just like, um, but the the guy who did uh, the makeup, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Japanese makeup Kazu artist. Hero. Yeah, he yeah. also did uh, Darkest Hour, which he just won for uh, a few years ago. So he loves those fat suits. <laughs> right. Although I think the fat suit in Darkest Hour works better than the, the fat suit Agreed, in Bombshell. But, but but I do think that if, if Bombshell weren't going to win, it would be because he won recently and he came out of retirement for Darkest Hour. Oh, really? Yeah. And then he just continued working again? Yeah, because yeah. Gary Oldman was the one that convinced him to come back. Interesting. Uh, international feature film, Parasite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no contest. Uh, yeah, Corpus Christi, Honeyland, uh, Les Miserables, uh, Pain and Glory, and Parasite. I think if parasite wasn't in the running this year it would come down to lay miz and uh pain and glory right but it should parasite should run away with yeah par- it just should be parasite five times yeah um that one seems like the most obvious and some of the acting awards, the, the right? acting categories i think are a, pretty much a done deal at this point editing ford v ferrari the irishman jojo rabbit joker and parasite see this is interesting because this is the category that also usually determines best picture but 1917 is not nominated here right. lee smith uh, struck out on that one um because this <laughs> i was gonna make a joke be like there's no editing it's a single shot right so anyways uh <laughs> i edited dunkirk as well um so with this is it this is an interesting category because i feel like it could this is the one that could go anywhere like it could be parasite but at the same time i feel like ford versus ferrari i i honestly think it could be ford because like ferrari. again this is if you're gonna give that movie anything we well, you know what one like, last year no bohemian rhapsody oh, and it's like it's the most editing yeah. in any movie and that's what i mean it comes down to like sometimes yeah you said the most works right the most acting yeah the most editing the most subtlety like, doesn't play a role no. in what wins the award it's all about the exuberance and the over-the-top quality and it's like you have to show your craft on screen or it has to stick out to members subtlety and nuance are things <laughs> that are nominated but are never sure. rewarded yeah so that's why i think ford v ferrari could win yeah because it is very choppy chop shop uh so i'm gonna go with ford v ferrari. yeah again it's a technical film and i feel like if 1917 isn't going to win a technical award it'll default to ford versus ferrari yeah i'm uh your dad will be happy he hasn't seen it yet but i'm no it's talking about tracy let's oh tracy let's that's also true have you seen any of the short documentaries uh no okay we'll skip that sorry (laughs) um you're on your own guys documentary feature american factory the cave the edge of democracy for sama and honeyland so all five of these are actually really good movies um but i think it's come down to american factory and for sama um as the two that will either those two will probably t- take it cuz the cave is also kind of a similar narrative to for sama um 
Have you seen American Factory yet? Yeah. We talked about it on the show. Okay. I recommended it to you because it's about a plant closing down, like a GM plant closing. You know I don't pay attention to anything. I know. I know. But I I said that you you and your dad should should watch it it, because I would like to get your opinion on it. So I watched the trailer and I was like, I should watch this movie. You should. (laughs) So anyways. God damn it, Matt. But it's a really good movie. (laughs) It's produced by the Obamas as well. Um, But like... It's a. It's not just like a social awareness it looks movie, great. but it is. It's really well done. It looks really, really good. Um, so I could see that winning because that kind of is like a popular film. But then again, like even Honeyland, I'm surprised got a you know a documentary nomination and international feature nomination. The first time a documentary's ever gotten that crossover. Yeah, and all of these films obviously better than Apollo Eleven. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> see, that's again. If you're if you're if you're too popular, you're not yeah. getting nominated. Uh, directing, we have Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Let me see that bong, 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 bong. I would love that. I know, but it's, 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 it's Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, yeah. He's winning, what, 10, 20 years apart? Yeah, 20 years exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Again, Christopher Nolan sitting at I, home and like, what the fuck? I originally thought we would get... Well, in an ideal situation, a QT Bong Joon-ho split for picture and director. And I was always leaning towards give Tarantino the directing award because he is, you're talking about the most directing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is the most directing. Um, but Sam Mendes is like a show-off kind of filmmaking that's one note. That's also true, yeah. And like... Yeah, you could say, oh, well, it's it's a different kind of show-off to the style over substance of American beauty. But, again, like, I'm just like, fucking Christopher Nolan was right there, like, like three years ago. And you guys just... Did he get a Best Director nomination, too? Yeah, that was his yeah, first yeah. Best Director right. nomination. Yeah. And he's like, guys, guys, come on, you know? Uh, God. So, yeah, I, I do think it'll go to Sam Mendes. And what... And now we're Snore. Now we're into Best Picture. And I just and, want to say something quickly as well. Or, no, we're into costume design. We, we, we've talked about this before, I think, but, like, it's interesting what's defined as the safe choice. Because yeah. I look at 1917, and I like the movie for what it is, and I think it's a decent enough action, action movie. movie. But I would put it in that category as, like, the safe film, the safe choice. But then it drives me nuts when I see people are like, you know, Shape of Water was a safe choice. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's about a man. It's about a a woman and a fish man fucking. That is not safe. That is not conventional. And it's totally all over the place, too. Like, Like, you don't – you might not like it, but don't put it in that box of saying, like, it's, like, 1917 or something like that. Uh, I there's a twisted narrative on no matter what wins best picture like right. that like you're gonna get a subsect of people just shitting on the movie no matter what other than if maybe Parasite pulls it off this year <laughs> but you'll probably even even if Parasite wins you're gonna get a, a group oh yeah of there there will be backlash from sort of you know middle brow society where they'll start watching it because it won best picture and they'll be like. Uh, I didn't like it. It wasn't yeah. as good as everybody was saying. And yeah. sometimes that's contrarian belief. Sometimes it's, you know, some people haven't seen a foreign language film before. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that'll be cool if it wins Best Picture and it opens people's minds up to watching a foreign language film. And I think that's kind of great. But at the same time, I know what you're saying. There's always backlash to a film that wins Best Picture, even if it's good. Like, I mean, I the last time that, like, I was like, yes, like, you know, truly 
excited about a best picture win was 12 years a slave i agreed completely yeah. and then before that no country for old men and even those movies that are excellent you know artistically crafted pieces of 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 art got backlash because they won best picture it doesn't matter it re- really at the end of the day like yeah green book i understand its problems sure, but yeah. you know like it doesn't matter what movie you are if you get that award you're a target exactly I guess Moonlight would have been. Oh, Moonlight, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but that even whole that, thing is overshadowed with the because La La of the La La, 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 La thing. thing. So it doesn't get to be its own narrative. It doesn't yeah. get to be its own story of of this great indie movie coming out of nowhere and winning Best Picture because it was a part of like the platform section at, yeah. at TIFF, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's overshadowed by Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway and La La Land and and all that, and it's just a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, costume design: Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm thinking it's gonna be Jojo Rabbit, but I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a good shot as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say I would have thought Little Women maybe, but um... I think people like there's a lot of people that don't like the movie. Like it, it got yeah. voted for in certain categories, yes, but like people are really complaining about the chronology of the film, like. At least I'm not insane. No, no, but but it's like you might not agree with me, but it's right. It's it's interesting to see that. Like I had no idea anyone else felt that way. Right? That's just how I. No, there are people complaining about the narrative being muddled Uh, or confusing. Where what point of time they're in? Yeah, I I don't even think it's confusing because, and I hate those people who are like "Uh, maybe watch some more fucking movies, and I want to like quote tweet them and be like there's not enough men you. in this see, movie not, not even that but people would be like oh you don't get the fucking narrative structure because you're a simpleton who doesn't watch movies and i'm like fuck you i watch tons of movies i don't think it's a good structure right but anyways it doesn't matter um but i, I don't know to me like even if i didn't like love the movie i can appreciate aspects of yeah it. and i mean also little women has is a movie that has been nominated before or all of this stuff yeah so it's kind of like do we want to just I think it had that against it as well. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's a new version, a remake, a new adaptation. So yeah. that will also probably be its uh, undoing, so to speak. So I agree with you, Jojo, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, kind of makes sense uh, for that. Uh, we are into cinematography: The Irishman, Deacons. <laughs> Joker, The Lighthouse, nineteen seventeen, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Agreed. Deacons will probably win again. Uh, he, for- he's just basically become chivo now like yeah. the first win took forever and now but, he'll just consistently yeah win. <laughs> so he'll probably win at least one more for whatever he does next in the same manner that you know chivo did for gravity and tree of life yeah you know and like in birdman like it's just like yeah you'll go on a streak yeah right? yeah because now people are like oh fuck he is amazing we should right. and don't get me wrong i mean like, people already knew that he was amazing yes. and like it, when people if people do recognize cinematographers or like put a face to a name deacons is one of those guys the guy, the guy I mean, yeah. yeah so it's yeah I, I i mean all these movies are beautifully shot don't get me wrong um i mean even 1917 for what it is looks great but i've i just i've loved other deacon movies more agreed i don't think that it's like one of those like oh my god deacons movies no i mean he probably should have won both oscars in 2007 for uh uh no country for old men and assassination of jesse james by the coward robert how did he lose that year (laughs) Well, because he was nominated twice right so he split the vote right it's ridiculous but i mean it's soderbergh man i mean lighthouse in here is really cool yeah and it's the only a24 movie this year that got nominated for anything and they put a lot of their time and effort into uh the farewell yeah 
That still uh, bothers me. <laughs> animated uh, feature film. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, and uh, Toy Story 4. A lot of people are saying that Klaus maybe has a Have shot. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. Now I'll probably just wait till next Christmas. <laughs> right. I can't watch it now. Yeah. You feel, feel but dirty. It looked, it looked really... It looked good, and I, it got great reviews, and um, everyone thought this would be a... I mean, before the nominations came out, a, a Frozen 2 versus Toy Story 4, right? Right. Um, but it's interesting to see... The Disney Monopoly. Uh, a couple Netflix movies pop in there, and you get a... Uh, with uh, And then with Missing Link, you get one from uh, Leica. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, have you seen Lo- I Lost My Body? Yes, either? which I liked okay, quite cool. a bit. Um, but my favorite of, of those five is is How to Train Your Dragon. But I don't um, think it'll win. No, 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 no. The nomination is the, the reward. I think it's between Klaus and... Kloss or whatever, yeah. um, and Toy Story 4, probably, right? I'm going to go with Kloss, though. Or Kloss. Yeah, same. I think they're maybe going to want to do something a little different this I think because it's year. Toy Story 4. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are like, you don't, you don't need it. You're yeah. good, okay? Like, I, that's how I would probably... I haven't seen Klaus, Kloss, whatever. Um, but if I... I don't know if it's as good as everyone's saying, I'd probably be like, I think Toy Story 4 is okay. You don't probably need yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it made all the money and... And it's did the well fourth and... fucking Toy Story. Yeah. They're all excellent, but you don't really need to reward it. Um, like, with something like How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, did the first movie win? No. No, none of them None of them have, have okay. won. So that would be something, too. Yeah, right? it'd be a nice way to kind of cap off the trilogy and sort of reward DreamWorks for, I think, their best animated franchise. An underrated yeah, trilogy. Yeah, because it, right? it, like, it feels like out of all the stuff that DreamWorks has kind of produced... That is the most artistic endeavor that comes close to what Pixar does with their stuff. Agreed. And it just doesn't get kind of put in that same comparison because a lot of DreamWorks' other stuff is very much populist entertainment. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just that it's it it has a different objective. Yeah. Uh, now we're into the acting categories, which I think will be on the same page as everyone probably will be. Yeah. Uh, actress in a supporting role. You have Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Margot Robbie. Uh, probably 90% sure it's Laura Dern in, yeah. in Marriage Story. She's won pretty much every everywhere. Yeah, and it's um, kind of a career honor as well, right? And, like, n- uh, neither of her parents have won an Oscar either, even though they've been nominated multiple times. So it's almost like giving it to the family in a way. Yeah. You know? uh, and I love Laura Dern. Oh, so. she's great. I, it's just I weird. Her role in Marriage Story. I yeah, could, it's I, the one thing where it's like, I, I think she's good in the movie and I liked her in the film, but it's like the one award where I'm like, yeah, I guess. Here I would honestly have probably given it to Florence Pugh. Yeah, but, same. Um, and I, again, I don't love Little Women, but I think Pugh and uh, Saoirse Ronan are excellent in, yeah. in that movie. Yeah, and I kind of like, I mean, not that I was like, oh, you know, J-Lo should have been nominated, but it would have been nice because at least like that's comp- seemed like her competition Yeah, everywhere else and it just didn't happen. And then again, like the Scarlett Johansson nomination just baffles me because it, in my opinion, that wasn't even the best supporting actress performance in that no, movie. No, Thomas and Mackenzie's way yeah. better in that movie than her. I think like the emotional crux of the movie is Thomas and Mackenzie's character and I don't think any of the ScarJo stuff really... I was having this discussion with a guy at work who watched um, Jojo Rabbit on the weekend and he, I was like, did you like it? And he's like, I thought it was great. And um, I'm like, I really like the movie but I felt like some of the emotional beats near the end didn't quite work and we talked about her character and I was just like, 
I just and I think she's she's fine in the movie. Yeah, she's like, she's the Laura Dern of Jojo Rabbit, right? Yeah, Where it's fair. like even if you like the movie, like that's maybe the one performance is just like okay, it's it's it. She's there, she's good, and I feel again like that nomination is because Jojo Rabbit is popular with the Academy members, but also. With Scarlett Johansson getting the double nomination, these are her first two nominations ever, it was almost kind of like an apology for not nominating her for, say, something like Lost in Translation, which I remember that was like a big snub that year where it was kind of like, how did she not get nominated for yeah. for lead or supporting? Because there was like this category confusion with that with that performance. Some people were putting it in supporting and other people were putting it in lead. So then it just didn't make either, right? Yeah, and yeah. for like one of the biggest movie stars ever to not have a nomination up to this point it was kind of strange right yeah uh so it'll be laura dern yeah um supporting actor we have tom hanks anthony hopkins al pacino joe pesci and brad pitt brad pitt yeah it'll be brad pitt um i kind of would love pesci to win because he wouldn't be there (laughs) yeah uh but i think it's oh yeah pitt's winning this is this is pitt's acting award you know yeah. like he yes he's won the oscar for producing 12 years a slave but this is them you know saying okay this is your work as a character actor because i mean even though brad pitt is a movie star his performances are usually you know very character specific and yeah. he's character usually driven, yeah. can, considered a character actor and then on top of that like again you look at a movie like um moneyball which i think is the last time he kind of gave that kind of movie star performance that looks effortless and some people could write it off as just him kind of coasting but there's more to it than meets the eye and it's like you know the classic saying of like you know well i'd like to see you do that and you wouldn't be able to pull it off with what he's able to do and you know giving it to jean de jardin for the artist over pit and moneyball or george clooney and the descendants or abomination gary oldman and tinker taylor (laughs) soldier spy it's like Come on. Yeah, really? it's so stupid. Anyways, uh, yeah, I agree. And moral of the story is you want to be a actor in a supporting role in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. Even um, if you're technically a co-lead. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, even Anthony Hopkins is is a co-lead. In, in, in the, I mean, like, Pacino and Pesci are truly supporting performances. Well, even Hanks is supporting. Like, But the, 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 the Meet Joe Black guys are, are co-leads. Right. Uh, I mean, I love Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's its only nomination, um, and and again, he's won two. Yeah, but this is his first nomination in supporting, and his first in what, like twenty years, twenty years? Because the last time he was Cast nominated, Castaway for yeah. two thousand. Um, so it's nice to see him back, and again, it almost feels like uh, they're making up for not nominating him for you know Captain Phillips. Yeah. Um, Leading actress, uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. It's going to be Renee Zellweger. There was a moment there in December where a lot of people thought Charlize could win her second Oscar, but it looks like Renee is going to win her second Oscar for Best Actress this time because the last time she won was for Cold Mountain back in 2003 for Supporting. I've never seen Cold Mountain. It has its moments. I mean, yeah. it's directed by Anthony Mangella, but like I think the prestigious factor kind of gets in the way of kind of the more interesting character moments. Like there's a lot of actors that pop up through that film, like Philip Seymour Hoffman and 
our favorite Lucas Black as as a child. He was younger than at that point. Really? And yeah, yeah. He's actually good in that. He still looks like a forty five year old man. You know what? No, no. he's. I mean, I think maybe because he has more hair, so it's like covering yeah. that huge forehead that he has. And I'm not trying to make fun of him because I have a huge forehead myself, but like he he looks like a kid. You know, like you wouldn't know it was him until you saw the the credits. Yeah. Um, but he's good in that. He's also good in Sling Blade when he was when he was younger as well. But um. Yeah, so it'll be Renee Zellweger. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's so weird because like the whole narrative with her is it's like the comeback role, but at the same time she never really completely went away. Went away because she was recently in the third Bridget Jones movie. She was in a Christian film with Greg Kinnear and Jamon Hansu. So it's it's kind. I guess it's it's. But a they comeback. love their impersonations of other right. It's this people. year's yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. right? But but I kind of get the 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 passion or the 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 fandom of Bohemian Rhapsody because that that whole thing or that whole narrative was like, oh, but the music is amazing and, you know, we're honoring the man, you know, the myth, the legend. With Judy, and Judy Garland is also a, a, a figure, a, a huge figurehead of pop culture, but there hasn't been that kind of rabid fan base for it where people are like, oh, yeah, the movie's not great, but, you know, Judy Garland was, you know this amazing icon and the music was amazing. The movie was just kind of like, oh yeah, Renee Zellweger is Judy Garland. The movie's not good, but she's fine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't get I it. I mean, out of those five, I think probably Scarlett Johansson probably deserves Yeah, I would have went with Sir Ronan again. I or Sir Ronan as well. And like, I mean, again, where is Aquafina? <laughs> ridiculous. Because um, I would have given it to Aquafina then. Yeah. Um, actor in a leading role, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Poops. Uh, Joaquin. Yeah. Obviously. Jaquiqui. Um, um, yeah, I mean, again, I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot. I thought his performance was good in the movie. I, I've loved him in other things, though, like The Master and Her. Of those five, I think Adam Driver deserves it. I think this, like, that's the nomination would be would sync up with the win. Like to me, it almost does feel a little bit like a career performance for Joaquin, and it is the showiest role of the five guys. Maybe with the exception Again, of Leo, the most acting. Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's chewing the scenery because, like, but seeing someone like Antonio Banderas in there for Pain and Glory, which is such a subtle layered piece of acting makes me so happy because that performance usually kind of always gets shut out or you get the one performance every year that is like that, that, that maybe makes it in. But you look at like even Adam driver, like who I think deserves the win has a big scene. Banderas doesn't, yeah. you know, it's all about the expressions in his face and the wistful qualities of that character. And, so, you know, both Driver and Banderas are so good in that movie. And I, again, I love Joaquin so much, but it's just like, I kind of wish he won for the master and he wasn't even nominated for her. Ridiculous. But yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but yeah, Joaquin will win though. Yeah. So. And there we go. And we are on to the final category, best picture. Uh, we have Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. 
Well, I think the winner in this category is going to be extremely loud and incredibly close. I think it's due for its its best picture win. Remember that? Oh my god, <laughs> that's a, that was wild. Yeah. Um, it's it's been an interesting year. We have seen some people kind of become front runners, which I feel like a. Well, it's kind of rotated between three movies, I think. I mean, there was that outside shot at one point with Irishman, but I think the Netflix label on it is still Still, too big for both that and Marriage Story to even be considered, Considered, even with someone like Scorsese being behind it. To me, it was always Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and more recently, 1917. Yeah. But then now you throw Jojo Rabbit into the mix, and I think those are your, your four... Right, I, I I don't, don't think, think Jojo. Yeah, I think yeah. Jojo would be the fourth pick of those. I agree. I think, I think what it was was par- originally it was Hollywood and Parasite, Parasite. and it felt like Hollywood was going to win Best Picture because Agreed. it's a film about Hollywood. It's yeah. talking about the industry. It still it's could, a change, but, um, but now it kind of feels like again, like nineteen sixty nine, a distant memory. <laughs> um, and Parasite. Even though it kind of feels like almost a unanimously enjoyed movie, there's something about. I don't know what the love is for 1917. Like in, the, yeah, in that same enthusiasm, it. yeah. like it's it's a fine movie, but like I don't hear people talking about it the way that people talk about Parasite or even Jojo Rabbit or, or Once Joker Upon a Time. Even, yeah, like, like there, I mean, there's, at least Joker's super divisive. Yeah, but, but like, there's still people that are so passionate about, about it either way. Well, everyone I talk to about 1917 is either like. That was pretty good. <laughs> it's good for what it is. Yeah. Like, but it was interesting as a gimmick. Yeah. But then it's like, it's it's almost like winning by default, <laughs> you know? And I think it is going to win best, or at the moment, it's going to win best picture. But at the same time, if there was going to be an upset, I think Parasite would be and I just the have one this to do it. feeling that, I just have a good feeling. I don't know what it is. I want like, to, I, I, you're, I want you're to holding believe, onto that rock, yeah, right? Right, yeah. It's so metaphorical. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, um, I would love that. And like my, my, you know, my heart says Parasite, but my head says 1917. And I think I'm in the same boat. Yeah. But um, I really do feel like, have a weird feeling that Parasite could surprise and win Best Picture. Um, it'd be a it would be a huge moment like that. Like again, oh, I'm wearing my Parasite T-shirt that yeah. night. You're welcome to come over, by the way, if you want. But <laughs> no, if, yeah, no, I'll come over. Um, if you're inviting me, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, we're having people over, so you can come watch oh. it if you want. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. I'm the last one invited. No, no, no. Nevis was having people over, and it's the day after my birthday, and then I'm just like, okay, I'll ask. Gonna see Sonic. Too. Uh, yeah, Super Sonic. Oh, that was something um, I quickly want to mention, just sort of... Sonic Best Picture 2021. 2021. But um, we were talking about this, we were texting back and forth, um, that Sonic restaurants, uh, the restaurant yeah. didn't capitalize on Sonic the movie. So weird, And then right? I was also thinking maybe Mountain Dew could have helped Doolittle. Mountain Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> or Do the Doolittle. Yeah, that would have been great. Uh, but yeah, I, I really... It's yeah. The, either way, we're gonna either be completely underwhelmed, like we were with Green Book last. But that's year. how it always is. Best director went to who last year? Last year, best director. It wasn't Fairly, right? Or Farley? No. Uh. <laughs> Farley wasn't even nominated. No, right? Okay, because um, why am I blanking on this? And somebody's shouting it right now yeah, in the headphones. Sorry, guys, we forget. Yeah, um, it's and it's late too. Um, we recorded. Well, you're listening to this, so you know it's been two hours and ten minutes. Oh, God, I gotta go. I'm, I'm going back through. Um, I'm just saying, like, I just have... 
I really thought we were going to get a QT bong split, which I would have been super happy about, or just once upon a time in Hollywood. So we're just going to get another close up of QT with that stone face. Yeah. Which I think people are overdoing. Oh yeah. I think it's just, you know, he's just paying attention. Yeah. I don't think he's really like, and somebody already posted like he, he loves Bong Joon-ho's movies like that. The outside of the new Beverly competing and I'm sure he wants to win, but everyone needs to chill. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb, though, and say that they give Sam Mendes Best Director and Parasite pulls out the upset. I just have a weird feeling. I know I'm probably wrong and will be totally underwhelmed and it'll be 1917. Are you probably wrong or probably um, bong? I hope I'm probably bong. Um, But are you looking up who won last year? Yeah, it's going to drive me nuts now. I'm trying to think what even came out last year. Who knows? Um, And those are our Oscar predictions, everybody. So you're going with 1917, yeah. Best Picture win. I'm gonna go with Parasite, just on a, and going out on a limb because that's what I want. And it'll probably make me lose, but not like we were competing anyway. I'm stalling so Eric can look up who won Best Director. Yeah, I gotta look this up. Um, oh, it was Alfonso Cuarón. I'm an idiot. Oh right, for Roma. Right. Which you love. <laughs> I did. No, I did. I um, but it's weird because, again, like it almost feels like a similar situation, right? So then do they give it to Bong and then – so that's what I, right. I don't know. Or like, do they give it to the English white guy because it's like the safe pick? Sure. We've given it to too many Mexicans in the last few years, right? Too many foreigners. Yeah. Um, well, I know it's true though because like you had Alejandro González Iñárritu and Guillermo. Alfonso and Guillermo, yeah. and then the only one in between that was Jamie and Chazelle for La La Land. Yeah, you know. And see, we got the La La Land Moonlight split. That yeah, year. And we, unfortunately, we there's also a... that thinking as well when it comes to race, which is another topic that we didn't really touch upon because yeah. it's two white guys talking about it. And what the fuck do we know? Um, but like that is a problem where like. And we talked about that when we yeah, talked about yeah. the one nomin One person of color nominated in Best Actress, that's it. For playing a Yeah, slave. I mean, it's not as bad as BAFTA, but, yeah. I mean, it's pretty close. And again, like, you can keep blaming the industry, but there were plenty of great performances this year. Yep. You know? I agree, dude. And it's, I mean... Internationally I an and nationally. I read an interesting thing today of being like the the biggest problem was, was when the academy started, it was like ninety percent men and like ninety five percent white. Yeah. So like it's gonna take a long ass time oh, yeah. to like yeah. get those numbers more even, right? And they're making progress, but it just takes time, takes, like you said. It's and like, gonna take another, the old guard is still there intact, right? Yeah. And 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 again, we're not saying like, you know, like everybody is, you know, like voting for this one specific thing, but you do get like pockets where it's like, okay, this is the type of movie I will always vote for, and I'm not really gonna go outside the box. I mean, we've we've been hearing about this even with Parasite that some voters won't watch it because it is subtitled. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, why are you in this industry? You know, yeah. like, ha- I like- mean, shout out to Edgar Wright because he did tweet out that, like, he's like, I do this every year, but it's crunch time and I try to watch every single nominee before I vote. Right. And he said he did it. And I'm like, and he d- tries to do that every single year. I don't know where yeah. he finds the time. But, and he's bong heavy. Um, yeah. This and- year. But, and, and well, especially considering that this year he's finishing a movie you know yeah, he's in post he on last year right? uh, so. last night in soho which is co-written by uh, the writer of 1917 right so does that make him vote for 1917 no it's weird i, I think he's right? voting for uh for bong like yeah. he said like if he could vote for bong in categories he wasn't in he yeah, would he would um 
excited nonetheless. It's always a fun night and uh, an interesting night. Um, I got super drunk last year watching the Oscars. <laughs> Will I do that again? Who knows? Um, <laughs> Parasite wins best picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's was, all over by your By the shirt. time Green Book won, I was just out of it. Um, but I'm excited nonetheless. I really am just hoping for a Parasite win. We'll all go crazy if that happens, which it'll... I just cross my fingers. 1917, I'll just go, mm-hmm, okay, and then go to bed. <laughs> yep. Uh, the so. anticlimactic conclusion to the Oscars. But who knows? Uh, fuck, we still got a ton of news to go through. Do you just kind of want to quickly yeah and we've been uh, kind of skimming through it anyways throughout the show so maybe we'll just do lightning round i'll just list things out headlines these all come from collider shout out to them um and then we can kind of just quick quick thoughts on each thing uh the unbearable weight of massive talent starring nick cage as nick cage gets release date in march of next year he's playing himself who's trying to get into a tarantino movie but that gets intertwined with like a drug cartel and the president of of what country i forget um but anyways sounds ridiculous why am i not in this movie i'm totally into this yeah Uh, and and it's being released by lionsgate so it will have a theatrical release or at least at this moment it will and not just be a a dtv movie yeah i mean it sounds like a a type of fun role that i think uh could I, i don't know if it'll be a great movie but the premise is really interesting right so Will they get Tarantino <laughs> to play himself? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Tarantino popped up in uh, the Peter Bogdanovich movie a few years ago. Um, she's funny that way. Yeah. Um, Where so they'll yeah. be like, you get to play yourself doing a yeah. fake yeah. movie, and he'll be like, yes. Yeah. His um, ego is too big not to. Yeah. Will it be the tenth film from Quentin Tarantino? I hope movie? so. His last movie. Uh, Hamilton, the original Broadway production, is coming to theaters in 2021 via Disney. Disney won the rights for like $75 million or something like that, or maybe even more. Um, and it's going to be... Uh, well, did they really win the rights? I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda has yeah. been working with them since Moana sure. now, right? So, so uh, he has a good relationship with yeah. them. So and he, he was like, how much you're giving me? Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, $75 million. It was recorded in 2016 with the original Broadway cast. They say it's like a mix of like film techniques and live stage show so i'm curious to see what it'll look like right to get people to to uh, go and see it like yeah. it, it, it almost it's weird when i heard this i was kind of like well why don't you just go in? like i know it's not Make with the original movie. cast but like yeah if it's playing I'm sure you could you, get lin-manuel miranda and david diggs and like uh, but he does i know right now he doesn't want to do a movie. An, a movie adaptation and like he also has in the heights coming out this year so maybe depending on how this how in the heights does he'll look into it but i can also see him you know the way that nintendo after the failure of super mario super mario didn't want any of their material being adapted until recently yeah and i I feel almost like he's like that with hamilton because hamilton is kind of what defines him as in his career so far it's like the thing that kind of made him popular so if they do a bad movie musical adaptation That'll kind of leave a bit of a um, a mark on you know his his legacy, so to speak. Uh, agreed. Uh, Henry Cersney Cersney is coming back for Mission Impossible Seven and Eight. Cheerney, play Cheerney, Cheerney. 
Henry Cheerney is coming back for Mission Impossible 7 and 8 as uh, Kittredge. <laughs> oh, first, yeah. From the first Mission Impossible movie. I like him. Um, he's, a, he's a good character actor. He's yeah. uh, the dad in Ready, Ready or, or Not. not. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Fido. Um, good guy. Uh, so that's interesting. That's cool. Bringing yeah. back people from the first Mission Impossible movie. Um, I always like that scene where Tom Cruise throws the jumps, gum. Yeah. And it has to jump out the window. The fish tank, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spike Lee is set to direct a filmed version of David Byrne's American Utopia. Very curious um, about this. Yeah, uh, I don't know much. A, about as a it. huge Talking Heads fan, I mean, David Byrne is just an interesting guy. Yeah, and it seems like those two worlds colliding could be really interesting because they're both very bombastic and sort of abrasive at times and in your face and seeing those two worlds mesh together might be interesting but yeah i don't know too much about american utopia either yeah so cool uh we talked about this a little bit earlier but owen wilson uh looks like he's going to be joining the loki series um with tom hiddleston playing a major role in that uh weird (laughs) i have no idea how that uh, I mean, I like Owen Wilson a lot. I just don't, uh, I don't know how that will work, but, uh, curious nonetheless, we don't know who he's playing or anything like that. Uh, the Doolittle backstage turmoil reportedly revolved around a dragon's clogged butthole. <laughs> Great headline. <laughs> um, dragon fart. I don't know if you read anything about this, but it was like, I guess it was like, um, Set, they brought in Seth Rogen and people to like touch up the script. Yeah, and they and brought like, in uh, uh, Christopher uh, McKay, McKay. Who well, you uh, talked about? Yeah, that yeah, because he yeah. was he was basically hired as a consultant to look at the movie in the editing room and to kind of give his thoughts on what they could do differently. And then they brought in Jonathan Liebsman, who directed uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies and uh, Battle Los Angeles, to do the the reshoots. Yeah. So then. Again, to the report, it says the ending was the hardest thing to, um, you know, maybe, maybe pull out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then they determined that uh, this fucking removing, you know, and apparently Downey was suggested it or or was very enthusiastic to have that addition uh, to clog the production, Um, which makes me think is like maybe Robert Downey Jr. does not have the best sort of taste or the studio was reportedly very unhappy with the first cuts ending which did feature a dragon but did not as does the finished product feature beloved children's character dr doolittle removing anything from that dragon's ass right (laughs) i feel almost like Uh... game of thrones was still popular at this point it's like what makes game of thrones popular that we can include in doolittle let's put a dragon in there right um what do old people like colonoscopies uh, Paul Rubens says that he wants to make a, uh, a dark Pee Wee Herman movie with the Safdie brothers. Uh, <laughs> probably not going to happen. And I no. mean, I, we were talking about it right before we recorded. Lakeith Stanfield wants the Safdie brothers to do a version of Joker. Right. Which I wouldn't be, wouldn't mind Lakeith playing Joker in the Matt Reeves universe. I think, I think that that'd be really cool. cool. And I think that could happen if yeah. he keeps campaigning for it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I doubt this will happen either. Um, Ruben says that they're considering it, but who the hell knows? It. Yeah, and, and again, they were also going to do 48 Hours, but they that kind of fell apart, and they kind of want to focus on original content or original material, so... Uh, Billie Eilish will give a special performance at the Oscars. 
I thought this was interesting because we talked about the news that she is doing the uh, Bond theme song. I believe we talked about yeah. that on the last episode. Eilish. Um, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish, yes. Um, doing the Bond thing. Yeah, the, I'm James Bond. I'm totally into that. I'm I'm excited. No, and, I am um, as well. I mean, she'll probably do the in memoriam, but to that's me, what I assume this is. It almost it, the the Academy does this every year where they'll bring either the big Grammy winner or you know like the I don't want to call Billie Eilish this, but like the flavor of the month kind of thing when it comes to to music. Like la- last year, it was uh, uh, Casey uh, Musgraves. Okay, and they that was kind of like a big they deal on film the, Twitter, right? Where it was like, yeah. like people like David Ehrlich were like, "Oh my god, she's going to be presenting at the Oscars now." I will tune in, and all she did was introduce uh, the ballad of Buster Scruggs song, right? You know, but Billie Eilish is performing, so right. we, you assume, which I also assume is that it'll probably be the in memoriam segment. Yeah, I'm assuming, or the Randy Newman song. Because he's not going to sing it. No, <laughs> that, that would be amazing. That would be, it amazing. Just... That'd be fantastic. Um. Oh, here's one that's uh, near and dear to our hearts. Kevin Hart and Jason Statham in talks for action comedy, The Man from Toronto. <laughs> Not to be confused with the melodrama, The Man from Toronto. Yes. Uh, this is going to be an action comedy about a hitman who is called The Man from Toronto. Yeah. Hasn't even um, started shooting yet, but apparently will be released in, in November. November. Cool. It sounds like a Saw movie, weirdly enough. Even shot in Toronto. But I don't think this will be shot in Toronto. Oh, it won't? No, because he's just from Toronto. He's right. the man from or they'll, Toronto. Or they'll, they'll just use some archival footage of the CN Tower. Sure. The Royal Cinema. Or they'll take footage from Short Circuit 2 and just put it in The Man from Toronto. Sure. <laughs> uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, the, the French Dispatch uh, has a release date and it revealed its full cast and official synopsis. Uh, you guys can check that out. It's going to be July 24th. Yeah, and then this is around the same time as Christopher Nolan's Tenant. And again, you know, people online were like, man, it's going to be, our minds are going to be blown in those two weeks at the end of July. I mean, I'm looking forward to those. Oh, no, no, I am as well. I just, uh, you know. It's a good month. Yeah, set expectations. It's going to be a good month. Uh, The Thing remake in the works from Universal and Blumhouse based on recently unearthed original novel. Do you know anything about this? Well, I know about the short story. I, I don't know about the novel. I guess there's like a novel based okay. on the short story. Yeah, because there is this great short story that Carpenter kind of went back to um, who goes there um, for his version of the thing. Because then there was the kind of monster movie version of the thing, the thing from another world, which was more kind of almost like a Frankenstein's monster kind of yeah. thing where – you know, like they discover a creature. It's called in the Frozen ice. Hell. I, That's I, what the novel's called. That had been lost for decades. Now, for the, this is a quote from Alan Dons, who reportedly wrote this on Facebook. It's official. I received my signed contract and first check. I am executive producing a remake of the thing, but will, but with additional chapters of John Campbell's groundbreaking novel Frozen Hell. That had been lost for decades. Now, for the first time ever, Campbell's full version will be realized in the big screen. The new film's film will inc- include the very best of RKO's The Thing from Another World, John Carpenter's classic The Thing, and both books Frozen Hell and But who not goes, the uh, and who goes 2011 there. remake. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean... From I, Universal and Blumhouse. I, I love... I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so you know, no matter what happens now, it doesn't. It, it that doesn't bother me either way. I'm curious, but at the same time, it's almost like that Star Wars thing where it's like, you know, 
when you hear like, oh, do you want to see scenes with Jabba in it? And you're like, careful what you wish for kind right. of thing. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, because it, it, it was a curiosity in the sense that that original story, when it was made into the thing from another world, it was just kind of like a B-monster movie where then Carpenter turned it into, you know, um, an allegory to the to the AIDS virus and disease and sort of like, you know, the terror coming from within almost in a Cronenbergian kind of fashion. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that up now. I mean, maybe you can kind of sort of look at themes of sort of who's an imposter, who's not, and sort of like, you know, with online hacking and kind of Russia and the U.S. sort of involvement. And I know Norway was a big part of it with the the original one. So Uh, Netflix and Apple and talks to acquire MGM. Uh, which is, I think MGM's been tr- sort of s- trying to sell for a while. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Apple will release their stuff still physically or if it'll just all be streaming or if mm-hmm. there will be another deal Netflix in place. or Apple. Or, so. yeah, yeah, app, or Apple uh, will release their stuff. Uh, because, I mean, stuff like Rocky and RoboCop already have, you know, multiple Blu-ray releases. So do they discontinue all physical media or, like... yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, two new Transformers movies are in the works at Paramount. The only thing that excites me here is we're getting a Beast Wars movie, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And they're not going to be directed uh, by Michael Bay? No, neither. Uh, both. One is being written by the Bumblebee writer, I believe. Oh, um, um, I want to say Christina Hodgson? Or maybe, or maybe not, actually. Sorry. Let me pull up this article. But... Um, no, you know she's not involved, I don't think. Uh sorry, it's um James Vanderbilt and Joby Harold. Oh, the guy who wrote uh, Zodiac. Yeah, and and Murder Mystery. <laughs> um so He wrote Spider Man too, right? The amazing Spider Man. Harold wrote uh John Wick Chapter Three and Army of the Dead, uh, which is coming up soon. But one yeah, is the based, Zack Snyder movie. One is supposedly based on Beast Wars and one is in the Bumblebee universe, I I believe. Yeah, I mean um, I, I think there are two selling points to this. You mentioned one, Beast Wars, awesome. Which was called Beasties in in Canada. Right. Yeah. That? yeah. Um Get me some rat trap I in there. I wonder why wasn't it called Beast Wars here? I don't know. Maybe it's something else in Canada was Beast Wars. Maybe too provocative. Right. Okay. Got to take that edge off. Um, it, would, it would be amazing, though, if it was called Beasties here as well when the, yeah, I hope the so. adaptation comes out. Um, but also Michael Bay not being involved because we saw potential with Bumblebee that you could make a entertaining and coherent piece of filmmaking yeah. and the same thing with the bad boys sequel you know with just remove michael bay yeah. the secret sense that's, that's how it, that, it tastes better uh god the uncharted movie is delayed again um because of this whole this is never coming i hope it never comes uh <laughs> baby bird baby uh, bird anaconda reboot in the works from Hell snow yeah. white Huntsman writer Ew. uh but i'm still Who's going to have a shitty accent and go, Bibi Bird? They got to make it a legacy sequel where they bring back Ice Cube and Jennifer Lopez and Eric Stoltz. I hope so. <laughs> uh, and then Robert Zemeckis is officially confirmed to direct the live action Pinocchio movie. I gave up on him with um, uh, Welcome to Marwin. I gave up with him The Walk or whatever the fuck it was called. Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, with French accent? God, the worst, Wee oui, oui. And then Flight, even. Uh, yeah. He hasn't made a good movie in a while. Last good movie was the last Tom Hanks film, which was 
the live action Tom Hanks movie, which was Castaway. Yeah, twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, so. it's such a shame because I love love Back to the Future. Like I think most people our age or even you know people that saw it in the theater and he is a good filmmaker i mean who framed roger rabbit as well and even for those Gump. things of like sometimes you just it's it's okay you don't need to keep doing this well well the thing is though i i think he could still make a good movie i think he just needs to give up the technology like he just needs to make a film in 2d that doesn't have any animation but now with Pinocchio. Yeah, because yeah. he has the the Roll Doll adaptation of The Witches coming out this year with Anne Hathaway. And on paper, it's kind of like, oh, this is going to be cool because the Nicholas Rogue version was a popular staple in, you know, early 90s for kids growing up and getting into horror movies. But with this is like, okay, like, I would be interested, but if it were with practical effects or just basic CGI, but you know he's going to use the motion capture, and it's going to drive me fucking nuts. And I I don't want to see it, but I'm probably going to. Yeah. I, but I, I gave up on him and thinking, I like, skipped he's got Marwin, a good one in him. Because right? after the walk, after the walk, I think was the last thing before Marwin, right? Yeah. I was just like, I can't. I can't. And Marwin looked terrible, so uh, I couldn't do it. But I mean, I'll probably see The Witches, and um, Pinocchio I will go see. Um and now will it be Christopher Lloyd as Geppetto or will it be Tom Hanks as Geppetto or Michael J. Fox? Or, yeah. Who knows? But, but um, it also, it, now that that's going into production and I assume probably it'll start this year sort of in pre-production, I think that'll kibosh, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, Pinocchio yeah. which was set up at Netflix. And I know he's working on nightmare alley, which is actually shooting in Toronto right now. And, um, that's kind of exciting with Bradley um, Cooper. With Brad, right? with the, did you see Bradley Cooper at the Baftas? There are cuts of his hair is weird. Like you know how because he just, had to grow it for the movie or what? No, no, I don't. I don't know. Maybe, but like you know how you have a problem with John Cena's hair. Yeah, Bradley Cooper's hair bothers me for some reason. John it's Cena's like, hair fucking pisses me off. Well, Bradley man. Cooper can't figure out what to do with his hair. Right. You know, fair. Or it's just weird seeing John Cena with longer hair. Like, I get what you're saying with that. But I like, hate it. It makes me so uncomfortable. Cooper can't, like, figure out what to do John with John Cena with dyed brown hair and just longer on the sides. Because I'm so used to him in WWE with that, like, army-style haircut, right? right? Like, really cropped on the sides. Blonde, he had blonde hair, and which now he dyes brown. Unless that's his natural hair color, and I just didn't right. realize. But um, it just makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know. <laughs> What were we talking about again? Um, I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, uh, a nice beefy episode, right? Two hours and 30 minutes right now. So. Nice. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, we haven't done a beefy episode like this in a while, I feel like. We've done some shorter stuff. But the first beefy boy of 2020. Uh, thank you all for listening. We're back and beefier than ever. <laughs> if you like this, <laughs> we do another podcast where we hopefully don't reference Baby Nut. Um, it's called <laughs> Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I get together slightly more professionally and review new release films, whether they are on a streaming service or out in theaters or upcoming to theaters. Uh, please go check that out. It's at the uh, on all your favorite podcast services at Untitled Movie Reviews. You can check out our newest reviews for the Rhythm Section, Bad Boys for Life, as well do as Little. Do Little. And you can hear us talk about that dragon's butthole. Yep. So it's and if you have nostalgia, go back and listen to Cats. Sure. Our longest uh, review, which is <laughs> like almost an hour. I think uh, it was like forty-five minutes. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, 
I think that's all I needed to plug. Well, um, also, you know, uh, we have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook. All at Untitled underscore cast. You can go follow us on all of those social medias. And if you want to follow me, uh, you can find more of my work around the internet, mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. Also on, excuse me, uh, Cineplex uh, every once in a while. I have an article about Jim Carrey and Sonic the Hedgehog coming out. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, which was actually kind of fun to write because I really do like Jim Carrey a lot, or I did. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to, I'm morbidly curious about the Sonic movie. Which we'll um, have a review for that coming, coming soon. On, coming up soon, yeah. Uh, and you can follow me on all of the social medias, uh, at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm mostly bumming around Twitter, uh, where you can see where people steal my viral tweets, as well as Letterboxd, where no one steals anything I do. They just make fun of my ratings. Yes, and uh, I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene, and uh, I'm on the social medias at EM6211, specifically uh, Letterboxd and Twitter um, and Instagram. Yeah. And until next time. Big gulps, huh? Baby nut do 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 baby nut do 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 baby nut do 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 baby nut. And booty sweat.